0: be no service at LaSalle. It's running express to my heart. Maybe get a ride from your good pal. I shut the train down with my fart.
1: Been there. It was a stinker I had.
0: Now I'm sucking on a gun. One, two, three. Just call me Mason of the Blue Line, baby. I ripped ass so bad they're putting me in jail. Just call me Mason of the Blue Line, baby. Then listen to my show. It's on the list. Maybe I'll have some fun in jail. Bunk mates with Noah M. from school. Podcasting from our awesome cell. Every inmate thinks we're cool. Because that would happen. <laughs> yeah. But one day I will fucking juke A fart so bad they're gonna puke One, two, three Just call me Mason of the Blue Line, baby I ripped ass so bad they're putting me in jail Just call me Mason of the Blue Line, baby Then listen to my show It's on the list We stand before you today Accepting this Lifetime Achievement Award For Fart Podcasting With humility and honor When Mason and I started out doing this show Farting was something we didn't even know about And now, we do it all the time We're like a family here That's right Hey Mason, Mm -hmm. how about this year You saved me a fucking thigh at Thanksgiving for once I'm just kidding. Okay. He doesn't really like when I say that. <laughs> just call me Mason of the Blue Line, baby. I ripped ass so bad they're putting me in jail. Just call me Mason of the Blue Line, baby. I ripped ass so bad they're putting me in jail. Just call me Mason of the blue line baby i ripped us so bad they're putting me in jail just call me mason of the blue line baby That's it, and that's the whole. That's beautiful. the whole song today.
1: <laughs> beautiful, beautiful, perfect.
0: You said you, uh, you said you had some experience with shutting down
1: <laughs> the CTA because
0: of your farts. What's going on with that?
1: <laughs> uh, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm trying a new diet. I'm eating a lot of beans, and you know what they call beans the musical fruit.
0: The more you eat, the more you get arrested <laughs> for exactly. your gas, for your putrid. Uh, sulfur smelling gas. <laughs>
1: hey, they're going to have an all, uh, they're going to have an all fart fleet on the CTA. Thanks to my, thanks to my noxious pipes. That I, got.
0: <laughs> I remember when we would occasion well, I guess occasionally we would have to drive up to Washington state in the Seattle area for family events. Cause we have some f- family up there, or at least when I was living, mm. you know, when I was a kid or whatever. Right. And I just
1: Your Uncle Frasier. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and my Uncle Niles too. And my aunt Yeah. Uh, my Aunt what's her name? Viv?
1: Aunt uh Daphne. Daphne,
0: yes. I've only seen like. Yeah, or five I guess episodes.
1: Maris. Spoilers spoilers for Frasier, but Aunt Maris first, and then I suppose Aunt. Aunt, uh, and uh grandpa, Grandpa Martin, Uncle, Uncle Eddie the dog, Uncle Eddie the dog., I love, yeah.
0: love that fuck. He's actually probably the funniest character on that show, if I'm being honest.
1: Interesting. I think the funniest character on that show is Frasier, just because he's such a he's 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 so cultured, but he's also such a buffoon.
0: <laughs> hey guys, it's me, Frasier cried. <laughs> That's how he would uh, enter every single scene, which was funny in the '90s. It was cool to do that in the '90s, actually. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we're a couple of tossed salads and scrambled eggs on this hi- show here.
0: We couldn't. Oh you, my! You couldn't do Frasier today. I don't think you could do Frasier today.
2: (laughs) Uh, Yeah,
0: because
1: people... People be like, uh, you mean another white man with another podcast? <laughs> That's right.
0: It like, would be like,
1: it would be two episodes long before they went down to their local, everyone around the United States went to their local NBC affiliates and just pushed the buildings over. Like, just the sheer force of people were so upset. Another TV show about another freaking white man and his freaking podcast just pushing the NBC buildings and all of the, the radio towers over.
0: Yeah. And then it would be like that, uh, the meme where it's like, why don't we just take our local NBC affiliates and push them somewhere else? And, like, I'm not kidding you, Mason. 5.8K mm-hmm. likes for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not fucking you, kidding you. You,
1: sir. And I, you know, as the, as the, you know, as the OP, as it were, Noah, you are going through the comments and giving an upvote to every comment that says, you, sir, deserve an upvote.
0: <laughs> you, sir, have just won the internet <laughs> for today. Anyway, the reason why What's we were, your... the reason why, we didn't even finish, like, why, what the hell was even going on, why we were doing that shit. We would go there for family events, for family functions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we'd be, and Washington much like Oregon, you've mm-hmm. got your little blue havens in the major metrop- yeah. metri- metropolitan areas. Mostly rural, though, you know? Right. Like, if you're just being, like, looking at it on a topographical level, it is mostly rural in those states. Mm-hmm. And so on your drive up, even up along the I-5 corridor, you run a lo- across a lot of just podunk shit. And so I remember yeah. every single time it would always sneak up on me. We would go buy a sulfur depository, and it would just stink mm. to fucking high heaven. And I would be like, what yeah. the fuck? Every single time, like, what the fuck the hell is that? What the hell is going on? And my dad would just be like, that's a sulfur depository. It stinks. Your grandfather used to work at one of those. <laughs> used to work at one of those. Like that fucking. That explains sucks. a lot.
1: Farting, farting's in the family. I didn't realize that farting was the family trade. It's in the, it's on our <laughs> family crest. House. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. It's just a big. It's just a big just, wind yeah, gust. Yeah, four
1: squares, four squares, and in the top left and bottom right square is just a butt with a little like air thing coming out of it. Yeah. Um, we have a rich family and, heritage in that yeah. regard.
0: So kind of being yeah. rude actually to me right now in a way.
1: Sorry. I didn't I didn't mean to step on your step on your toes, step <laughs> on your farts, suck in your farts. Uh, <laughs> you didn't mean to eat
0: my eat my little ass on that one.
1: I didn't say that. I didn't say
2: that. Okay,
0: so you did mean to eat my little ass <laughs> That is is what course. you're saying. <laughs> Thank you, man. Um What's
1: up, dude? Huh? What's up? You know what? It is, uh, it's, uh, honestly, Honestly. I think late, late winter might be one of my favorite times of year. I'm just reflecting on this, uh, because I had a friend from Chicago go to, uh, Los Angeles actually for the first time. And I ran into her at a show last night. I was like, oh, I saw you're in Los Angeles, you know, blah, blah, blah. I was just thinking about I didn't I didn't share this with her but I was thinking about how like this time of year was when I first moved to LA uh, six years ago a lifetime ago and how uh, much I like this time of year around town there. I believe our friend Marin is in this in Los Angeles currently I believe yeah uh, for a couple of days uh, and I was saying that this is my favorite time. the Jasmine is blooming uh, it's like nice and kind of mild. Uh, but in the city of Chicago, there is snow on the ground. We got a fresh blanket of snow a couple days ago, uh, and it is warming up slightly. I went uh, yesterday to a outdoor show at the Empty Bottle, uh, which is a classic music venue classic. in the city of Chicago. Classic. Uh, but there's it was an RS free it was an RSVP event. There were a lot of people there. Me and the friends I went with. Uh, The line to get into the outside portion of of the event was very, very long. And so we didn't go in because we were like, well, why would we wait in line when we could just go into the empty bottle itself? That's true. Get some beers, get some pizza, just hang out. And so that's what we did. And it was a very nice afternoon. Uh, And then later that night, a friend of the show, Max Lazareen, had a he and his writing partner and my friend also, Annie Sullivan, had a pilot reading at the Logan Square Improv that I went to. That was very fun and funny. And uh, it things are starting to thaw in the city now, uh, and it is very nice. It's a nice little vibe, little 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 situation that's happening, uh, and it's a beautiful, sunny, kind of cool day in the city of Chicago. What's up with you? What's up friend? with me?
0: What's up with me? I uh, saw the War on Drugs last night at the very Shrine cool. Auditorium near. Is that is that actually part of USC or is it separate? Do you know? Because it's right there. I don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's right there. It's right there. Fuck it. Who cares? I think the most time that I ever spent on in, in that part of town was uh, was seeing David Byrne in twenty nineteen at the also at the Shrine Auditorium.
0: Yeah, it's not like my favorite. Place to be in the in the entire city of Los Angeles, but the shrine itself is a beautiful space. It, the actual absolutely yep. uh, auditorium itself is great. Uh, and I bought the ticket kind of on a whim because I listened to that <clears throat> their album from late last year, pretty recently, and I was like, oh, baby! If they're coming through, mm-hmm. I gotta see those 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 mfers. I gotta see those mfers do it." And they were they were coming through. What would I guess be February twenty sixth, twenty twenty two. And I bought a cheap seat, just on a whim, because it was kind of one of the only tickets actually still available. And I was up in, up high, up in, the, uh, up in the rafters, found out were that- you,
1: Were you also down low? Up high, down low?
0: No, I was too slow.
1: Too slow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know what that means, right? You know what that means,
1: Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Ba, 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 ba. Go suck my balls. So you're seeing, you saw the war on drugs. <laughs> you Saw the war up on high. drugs. I was up high, took the photo, posted a funny, mm-hmm. post a funny one to the Instagram, to the It's mm-hmm. Almost Instagram. Mm-hmm. And Mister Adam Cash te- texts me and says, "Are you at the show?" And I said, "Yeah, I actually am." He said, "Me too. I got pulled down to the pit. Originally, I was up Yo. where you were, but I got to go into the pit, and I was like." that's amazing, let's say hi after the show. Or he said, do you want to say hi after the show? And I said, absolutely. And so, very quickly, I saw him after the show. Hadn't really seen him, what I remember to be in a while, so I was like, what's up, dude? And he's balling out. He literally went to Las Vegas to see Shania Twain the night before and then came back just to go to this. And I'm like, bro, you are wild as fuck right now, but that is awesome.
1: He, Our boy's Wildin. Uh, shout out to Adam Cash. He... Uh, he- uh well, still have not met him in person. Uh, we, there were loose loosey goosey plans for him to come through my parts of oh. the state here uh, in December, but I think that that freaking Omicron variant yeah. that we had going on put the kibosh on that. Yeah, so I'm glad that you got to see a uh, friend of the show former guest uh Adam Cash at the the Dang Warren Drugs I know he's a big Warren Drugs head so I'm glad that he was able to go from one <laughs> just make that happen for himself
0: the fact that he fucking went to fucking Vegas the night before I mean the man the man's a machine as far as I'm concerned um but the where I was I was in the like I said the very very top and I was on yeah. a row where there's only 3 seats in the row And so, Mm. and these seats are small as shit. And I'm like, Mm. I really hope someone doesn't sit next to me. Like, that's just going to be so uncomfortable. A man did Mm. sit one seat away from me, and I was like, all right, it's showtime. No one else better come through. And this motherfucker fell asleep during the
1: show. Hell yeah. I was like,
0: dude, how is that? I mean, I fall asleep in movies all the time, but at least movies are, like, dynamic with their sound. This is a quite literally a rock concert. This was loud yeah. as shit. I don't know how he did it. I I was so impressed. He was asleep for at minimum like at bare minimum 15 minutes straight. Insane mm. to me. Have you yeah. ever fallen asleep at a concert? That seems nuts.
1: I uh, have not, mostly because if I'm too tired to go to a concert, I just cut my losses and say I'm not going to this show. Exactly,
0: today. exactly. Yeah. Just don't go. You're not gonna have fun. You're. Yeah. It's just gonna be. Like, I guess I should say I've fallen asleep during like more like formal live performances. Like I remember my grandparents took me to see like chamber music when I was young. Yeah,
1: I'm imagining you sitting at like the the Portland Symphony or something and there's just like beautiful music playing. There's like some like some like society dowager or whatever. Like some society ladies like crying yes. tears to like Beethoven or something and you're just right next to her like hands on stomach just like
0: <laughs> Sawing <laughs> going, logs. <laughs> just ruining me, shit me. for everybody i remember one time i remember one time my gra- my my yaya god bless my yaya she had. <sighs> god tickets. bless
1: yaya let's give it up for yaya right now let's get some up snaps for going for yaya in the chat right now
0: god bless her she took me and my sister to go see billy Elliot, a traveling version of billy elliott when it was coming through oh, town. oh no once.
1: shit i saw that one that came through town too
0: Snap whoever whoever got you tickets to that Mason? That's a snap yeah. for that too.
1: Those are my godparents actually, who are my uh my grandmother's uh brother and his wife. So my great uncle and great aunt who are my godparents. us that. A lot of it's like an old Billy Elliot is like an old folks show for some. Reason. It is. I guess it's the Elton John of it I think, you know. I I think that's probably part of what it is.
0: Yeah, you don't, don't see know. you don't hear a lot of young lot people of getting tattoos of Billy Elliot <laughs> or whatever, if they're like, I'm feeling Did impulsive. Did you to get a
1: Billy Elliot tattoo? Like, just the, the boy dancing, going like, we.
0: I can do this. I know Margaret Thatcher's killing my, killing my family, but I can dance. I can do it. Anyway. I want to join the ballet. <laughs> I had to take a shit during intermission, and it was mm-hmm. not going well for me, so to speak. And she sent... And usher into the bathroom (laughs) like call my name out and be like, Noah, your grandmother's worried about you. And I was just like, Please leave me alone. I am wiping. I don't need this in my life.
1: Oh my God. That's such a that's a nightmare scenario. It was a nightmare. Oh man.
0: And I haven't spoken to her since and so kinda cool. (laughs)
1: <laughs> kind of cool, oh, right? Should I take back my snap? Should I do like a little reverse snap situation happening right now? No,
0: she actually is awesome. So that was actually just okay. a joke on my end. That was actually just a joke for me. So
1: Okay, cool. Was, well, I thought it was funny. It was a funny joke.
0: Welcome to It's On The List. This is a podcast about underrated albums, Hello. movies, and a whole lot more. Mostly lot. farting on the blue line, going to jail mm-hmm. because of how bad your gas is. Friending, mm-hmm. Befriending another fellow podcaster in jail doing the show, it's mm-hmm. on the list in jail, and then mm-hmm. accepting a Lifetime Achievement Award for Fart Podcasting yeah. with humiliating Humili- Humili- and Honor 80-so years down the road.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly.
0: I'm Noah, the funny-talking baby, and with me as always, Hello. my friend, Mason M. Mason, what's going on, baby? Hello.
1: Uh just what i've told talked about earlier yeah. it's been a uh you know what the, i all i wanted to uh, say that i had a very beautiful uh i've been i the last two days i was hanging out with uh friends in edgewater which like kind of geographically in the city of chicago was about four and a half miles like up up from um so it's north of the loop uh logan square uh, oh, way no, north of the Lo- oh north of logan square north, oh wow okay north of logan square north of wrigleyville north of lakeview north of uptown uh but a be- Uh, a really nice part of town that i i like quite a bit uh but i've been taking the uh i've not been as much it, it you cannot get there via the blue line so i have been a number 50 damon bus warrior the last couple of days how fucking yeah uh baby. just a weekend uh yeah really really enjoyed that um Bus route, um, because it's too cold to walk Amen. right now. Still, Amen. even I can't, I can't wait until we get the nice first couple of spring days, and I can just like uh, go on my nice long little walks again. I'm really looking forward to that. But now I'm doing, now I'm doing great. Now I'm doing just fine.
0: That's I'm, so I'm good. Abiding. You're abiding. The dude abides. The, the funny dude. talking dog abides. We we're always saying mm-hmm. that on this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Mason, before we dive into The topic's at hand today. Just wanted to give a brief overview kind of of what these next four eps are going to look like. Because if you've been following along at home, if you've been playing along at home, you know back in October, I said, I will be leaving It's On The List. And that's true. And we are kind of in that space now where this... Mason, all these episodes are going to air in March. This is sort of our March Madness in a way.
1: This is March man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This
0: is March Madness for It's On The List,
1: baby. And this is on the mad. (laughs) Because I'm pissed. So pissed. I'm always yeah. so
0: mad. I'm always screaming. I'm always putting my hand as far as I can up my own ass to see how far it can go every day. Mm. I'm trekking up to see if I can make progress, and I can't. So I'm gonna stop. <laughs> I'm just gonna stop at this point. Uh, it's not worth it to me to feel that anymore. <laughs> so I just have to.
1: Stop. Good. Don't don't put yourself through that anymore. Yeah, I'm not going to.
0: Anyway, I said to Mason. Before I do my final episode, I want to do three episodes where I just bring on some stuff that I haven't brought on yet and I really want to talk about. So this episode, next week's episode, and then the episode after that will be Noah Jams. Noah's picking the album and the movie these next three weeks. And then that fourth and final week of March will be Noah's last episode. So it's all Noah picking the shit for the next three weeks, and then we'll do a little send-off celebration that final week for my last episode. And that's kind of it. So if you've been following along at home, this is the playoff. This is the World Series event, my friend. This is what you came mm-hmm. for. So just wanted to get that out on the out in the open. Post a little little tiny sketch of just mapping it all out on the social media. I'm not gonna say what everything is yet. Kind of the fun of the show is oh, finding no. out what the shit is.
1: No, see, I don't even know what what the next couple of weeks I have in store for me. I don't even know what we're going to be talking about on this episode.
0: You have no idea. You're coming. You're coming in so blind. That's part of the fun for me. Is usually yeah. wa- usually watching you flounder. But this week it's this week it's even more so.
1: It would be really funny if we just, for one of your last episodes, recreated our first episode where I have to be like, we record 15 minutes and then I have to go watch the movie and then we come back and
0: record. Yeah, that would be so funny for me. (laughs) That would be such an awesome treat for me and the listeners. We'll just leave the fucking Mm -hmm. podcast going for three hours. But Mason, before we actually get into the stuff, there is a man in our lives who has been desperately begging to come back. And we need to check in with him real quick. Before we start, one more time, actually for the last time ever. Ladies and gentlemen, field correspondent for It's On The List, unpaid intern, Chris Chalakian is here with us for one last time. Chris, what's up? Hey, guys. Hey.
2: So So, what did you uh, want to talk about? Well, I just... Show's done,
0: huh? It's ending.
2: Ending. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. yup It's crazy. I didn't like hear about any I didn't hear about any like I didn't hear about any discussion about it. I just like when I heard about it it already happened, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was a kind of uh sort of a business. You know, doing decision. a pod Yeah, <laughs> it's it's it's, it's mm. uh we talked about it, you know. We talked about it in October when when wanted to break the news but it's just podcasting is hard work podcasting it's not just it's not just pressing pressing record there's a lot of there's prep work that goes into it and and, and as you grow up you know as you grow up you decide where you're going to put your your time and your energy into things and it's just Mm. sometimes Mm. sometimes it's time for things to uh change is, is what we'll say sometimes it's time for things to change
2: is this because of me Did I do something wrong?
0: I really hope that it wouldn't come to this, Mason. This me, is, me too. This sucks so bad. Yeah.
1: yeah I uh, Was I we, not a
2: good enough guest?
0: Do we tell him the truth at this point? Because, I mean, we have such little time left in this world. I think we just got to break. Th- we got to come, come clean with him.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I'm not gonna be able to do this. Uh, I, I I'm gonna leave this up to you to, to, to tell him about it.
0: This is because of you.
2: This is because hunters. of me. Yeah. It's we're ending the show because of you. Because I did something wrong. I wasn't yep. good.
0: You were not good. You were bad. Mm-hmm. You were I a could, bad little boy.
2: I could do better. Mm-hmm. I could do a better job.
0: It's too late for that.
2: It's too late. It's too
0: late to to do that now. You have to be gone from you have to be gone from the show. We have to end the show because of
1: you.
2: Okay. So this is forever? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. So I'm sorry. Not as sorry as we are. That's true. I'm really sorry. Yeah. I feel like I'm really sorry. I was really having a great time. I would love calling in doing my fun bits. Like when yeah. I when I when I made the thing where Mason was the sexual predator,
0: that was probably one of my favorite moments of, of, of my life, to be yeah. honest with you. When I happened. would
1: uh, I I would I would disagree with that being a fun part of the show. But
2: uh, all right. Well, think two V three
0: on yeah. that one looks like majority rules, unfortunately. So,
2: I mean, if you get a 66 percent audience share, that's really good ratings. You if know? you get a
1: 66 percent
0: on the test. Yeah, that's not technically. Um, but you pass
2: an F. Yeah, you pass. If you get
1: a sixty-six on Rotten Tomatoes, it's technically a tomato. Yep. Technically a fresh. So it certified looks
2: like fresh. we're yeah. calling my bit where I accused uh, Mason of being a sexual predator certified fresh. And in a way,
0: is, it's one of it's. In a way, I would. I'm surprised it doesn't have a hundred percent.
2: I'm it's just. Um, you know, obviously I'm devastated. Obviously this right. is uh, fucking bullshit, and. Um, yeah. You know, you guys obviously don't care about me or any of my stuff. You made me wait 20 minutes before even getting me on the call. You don't fucking value my time, obviously. You don't value my, you know, relationship with you guys as people. And that's fine. Um, That's cool. Uh, It's whatever. Um, I guess I just wanted to come on one last time to really solidify. I am the guy who was on this show the most. The record is going to show that. Right. I was the most Damn. frequent guest on this show. Yep. Um, there is no changing that. That's in stone now.
0: That is unfortunately written in the wind. Yeah.
2: And uh, maybe we can just, you know, what would you say are the top five moments of me on this podcast? Because I have mine. Hmm. It's hard to rank. Mm. It's,
0: it's hard to rank two through five.
2: We have number one. We've established number one.
0: Number one is clearly what we've been talking about already, which is accusing Mason of, you know,
2: we don't even. Being a sexual uh, predator, yeah. Being
0: a sexual predator, yeah. Um, Two through five, don't make me pick.
2: Okay. Because there's so many?
0: Something like that, yeah.
2: Cool. Cool. (laughs) Something like that. I
1: think my number one is uh, Chris going to the wrong oh yeah something that happened guests. off mic
0: <laughs> yeah
1: yeah one. yeah yeah yes you know, the anecdote it, it is hard for me to uh uh find a lot of positive chris chlockian moments on pod just mm-hmm. he's either calling me a sexual this well you know the
2: other thing is i'm this is the only podcast to my i've been on one other podcast one time haven't heard from the guy since i don't know where he went i wonder
1: why that is i don't yeah. know where
2: he went he deleted his twitter he disappeared off the face of the earth for all i know
1: that sucks, dude. Um,
2: otherwise, I've only been on this pod. Isn't that crazy?
0: And you never will be again.
2: Isn't that really sad for me? As like a guy who had a place he could come be on a podcast.
0: Well, Chris, it was so awesome for you to call in. Thanks. Thank you so much no, for being thank here. You. No, Is there thank anything you. you want to plug before you um, never come back on this show?
2: Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, stick around for uh, maybe one day another podcast will let me on their thing and I'll blow it and I'll destroy it. So... If right. you have any podcasts, you're hoping to quickly fold, uh, you know, send them my information. And uh, guys, it's been really fun. One of you more than the other. I'll let you guys figure out what that means.
0: I think we both know who that is, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And it's Mason.
2: And uh, <laughs> great work on the song parodies. Thanks, man. I was going to say my favorite moment was when we did the Family Guy cover of its, the It's On The List theme song.
0: That was a very interesting moment. Yeah, I, I, I would not say that's my favorite moment in the show. It's probably one
2: of the one. things I'm proudest of as an artist was writing that song. Yeah. Um, I
1: remember. I love uh, when Chris was uh, showed up on the show when we had another guest booked mm. already, who would, which was Mayor Moreno, who did not know anything about Chris and
0: and uh, still doesn't ultimately, except that you still doesn't. Yeah, and yeah. this was
1: when. Uh, Maybe the beginning, I don't know where he's at currently with this, but the beginning of Chris's uh, gambling, sports gambling uh,
2: journey.
0: Here's the thing. This will Um, be interesting for mm -hmm. listeners of this show. You and Marin should start a spinoff pod.
2: Called It's On The List?
0: No, not at all. Absolutely fucking not. Call it something else. Call it something wildly different.
2: We could call it It's On The List, though, if you think about it, because the name's available now.
0: Well, it won't be available forever.
2: Well, right. But for then, so we you better get in now. It,
1: uh, you could call it "What the fuck with Chalk Marin." Chalk
2: Marin? What the?
0: What the and hell? Your
1: chalk. Yeah. Your chalk and Marin's Marin.
2: Yeah, that works. Yeah,
0: Chris is chalk. I forgot about that. How Chris is chalk. Uh, Maybe like Hollywood Handbook. Pro yeah, or something Hollywood like that. Hollywood
2: Handbook Pro version. That's a yeah, good Pro name. Yeah, I'll bounce around a few ideas. Um, Joe Rogan
0: Experience. Something Joe Rogan like that.
2: Experience. Otherwise, you know, I'm on Everything Now show. You could you could catch that. And uh, thank you guys for having me on all these times. And um, absolutely, I'll never forgive Thanks, you bro. for this. Take care, guys. Thanks, Chris. Bye bye. Thanks for calling
0: Thanks. in. Thanks for bar- bullying your way into another episode. Thank you. <laughs> that was fun, right? <laughs>
1: It was nice. It was, uh, even though he is a menace, it was nice to see him again.
0: For you, the last time. <laughs> for me, that's my whole life. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, I have yeah. to see yeah. that guy on a monthly, like on a multiple time a month basis. It's hell
1: for me. That's true, yeah. So That's true.
0: Count your lucky stars, Mason, that this is your last ever face-to-face encounter with that fuck.
1: All right. All right.
0: Today, we're talking about number one record by Big Star. Yes. <laughs> Woo! All finally, right. some good go. music on the show. Finally.
1: Finally some, good fucking, finally, some good fucking food. Yum, yum, yum. Good
0: food, good meat, good lord. Good Let's corn. eat.
1: Let's eat. Yummy, yummy, yum.
0: Whoa, 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 whoa. What's your fucking history with this album or this band, Mason?
1: Uh God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food. Let us thank him for our Big Star. Number one record. Uh I uh so Big Star, first time I think I can ever hear of I can remember when I heard of number one record was when I was just looking at the list of the Rolling Stone top five hundred albums. I think Big Star number 1 rec- No, Big Star number 1 record was at least in the top 10. And it was like when I was looking at that list it was kind of the only one that I had no idea what it was. Like it didn't know a single song on it. Wait. Uh, sorry, are you saying and- that this
0: this album was in the Rolling Stone top 10 albums of all time?
1: If I remember correctly. If I remember correctly.
0: I don't I don't think that's true but I also don't have enough information to say that's untrue. But that's that would be shocking to me if it was. No,
1: it was it was definitely well it was a high enough no it was a high enough rank that I um uh it was like notable to me. Uh let's see let me see Rolling Stone here. Uh so I did what I did back uh what I have here. Oh, wait a minute. It was number Four seventy four. That doesn't seem right. So, yeah,
0: that's what I have. I have that it was ranked... In 2020, it was ranked... As recently as 2020, it was ranked number 474. And in terms of songs, 13 was number 406. So, to me, this was, was always in, was... like, the bottom... Whatever, the bottom fourth or bottom fifth, however you well, want to say
1: okay. it. Well, okay. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, so, for, maybe it wasn't there. Maybe it was somewhere else. But this was, like, really highly ranked... Uh, uh, And some on some lists that I saw and I was like it was like high enough where I was like I've never heard of this I don't know what this big star is gotcha Uh, and then I think I listened to maybe it was like when I was listening to a lot of Elliot Smith like in like late high school early college they also came up a lot and I think Elliot Smith has a cover of 13 that I heard and so I just like kind of listened to that one a lot Uh, However, I was listening to music, and I don't think I listened to the full album, number one record, all the way through until I had moved to Los Angeles, because Ballad of El Goodo came on my Discover Weekly in September or October 2016, Uh, and that song, uh, I was like, I don't, I've never heard a song that sounds like this before. Totally. What is going on with this? Uh, very. I I was obsessed with that song, so I think I listened to the whole that whole album. I listened to their following two albums. Uh, I think maybe shortly after that. Uh, so Radio City. I definitely have listened to Radio City all the way through. Not in a very long time. Um, I listened to a little bit of uh Chris Bell, uh who was the guitarist for this band that died young. Uh, his solo record, uh, I really, really like a lot, too, kind of a, in the same vein as, like, a Dennis Wilson, uh, Pacific Ocean Blues kind of situation, where it's like, oh, my, like, this, this sort of, um, you know, this, this really interesting solo record by this, this, this guy in this band, and, uh, he, I mean, I, but the other thing is, it's just, like, Big Star and this album in particular are just, like, so influential with like just a lot of other music that I like a lot that it kind of seemed like I I mean I never considered them underrated I guess or this album underrated just because it was struck me as like just a album that people like my friends that were really into into rock music and particularly like kind of American like like uh uh alt music or whatever like your your pavements and your your replacements it kind of seemed like it always came back to number one record so it um it was always this like kind of huge uh uh record and kind of um but uh yeah i guess that's just like my my history with it. it 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 is like i suppose like a classic kind of to me almost and, you know, your relationship with classics, I suppose, or my relationship with classic albums is just like, I, I, there's very few of them that I think to just like kind of put on and listen, listen to, you know, um, like from this era. Um, but it's such a, so, um, I, th- I, uh, that's it. That's my history with it, I guess. Uh, I haven't listened to the whole thing top to bottom in a very long time. That's it.
0: So what you're saying is you think this was a bad pick for the show? is what you're saying
1: it would not have been my it would not have been my choice of either big star or or part or um uh big star member to bring on this particular show but i'm glad i listened to it. i mean i
0: think that's i don't know if i i just don't agree because i feel like this isn't the band that like if people like rem the replacements so much alt rock from the 80s and 90s there's a. So I don't think there's a good chance they know the name Big Star personally. I just don't think. I that's would disagree. True.
1: I no, I disagree. If you're listening to music pretty actively, especially like using how most people like, if you're using Spotify and using Spotify, how I think most people use Spotify and like letting things play and putting the radio on, like I think Big Star is something that comes up a lot. Yeah,
0: that's but that something. doesn't mean it. That, this I, album
1: in particular,
0: I just I just don't think most people know who Big Star is. Like I was talking I, to my I dad. I don't I wanna I like, don't wanna
1: pick nits on this. I don't wanna pick nits on this. I wanna know your history with this album.
0: I'm just saying, I asked my dad, do you know who Big Star is? He literally grew up in like in the 70s, and he's like, No, I don't. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> I felt felt good about thinking I'm like, okay, my dad doesn't know who Big Star is. Uh first time I heard this album was my freshman year of college. Uh, I hated college. I hated my freshman year of college and friend of the show. Alan Macchiarolo had moved close to the dorms. He had moved halfway through the year to the dorms, and I was like, hell yeah, that's my friend. (laughs) That's my friend, and I'm going to go to his house, and I'm going to hang out with him because I hate being in my dorm. And he showed me the song 13, and I had never heard it before, and he was like, have Mm -hmm. you heard of Big Star? I said, no. Have you heard the song 13? I said, probably not. And he said, this is happy, sad music is what he called it. I said, okay, interesting. Mm -hmm. So he played me the song 13. We just sat there in silence. And I was like, hmm, this is so beautiful. This is so awesome. This is so good. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I'd never heard this before. So then I just listened to the whole album. Uh, and then I started looking into it, and I was like, oh, this is this band is like so influential. Uh, Paul Westerberg, obviously, was a big Alex Chilton guy, literally, when we covered Please to Meet Me all the way back in the day. Uh, mm-hmm. there's literally a song called Alex Chilton on that record. Yeah, so clearly he loves this guy. Clearly he loves Big Star, and clearly he loves Number One Record and probably Radio City a lot because those albums were double build. I don't know. What the re- they were so sell- they released as a double album in the '90s because I guess there was a demand for it by certain people. They mm-hmm. were like, "Where? Why can't we find these two albums so readily accessible?" Because they were not successful when they first came out, and then they're like, "Oh, guess what? Here you go." And, uh, it was between this album and it was between, uh, it was between number one record by big star and this album from 2012 called The Way We Move by Langhorne Slim and The Law that I was debating bringing on for, uh, for this episode. Uh, and it's a great album, but we weren't covering it. I literally listened to the back to back and I was like, gotta be big star number one record for me. Uh, and I actually chose this album specifically because I thought about what this show is about and I thought to myself what kind of things were brought on this show and I think, you know, we've talked about this before, like how do you determine what can be considered to bring on this show? And I love the idea of this show because I think it's so intensely personal. You bring things on that are considered bad by most people, but they mean something to you. You can bring things on that are generally considered good or fine, but you like them more than how they're generally considered. You can bring things on that are never really talked about, just like they never really given love for whatever reason. Like it's like, oh yeah, everyone kind of agrees it's good, but it's like, Why isn't this thing being talked about more? And you can bring on things that just hardly ever, people probably don't even know, you know? So when I was thinking about that, I was like, that to me is kind of this album and Big Star, kind of in a nutshell. It's like all these acts that people love probably at one point in their life had heard this album or heard them and was like, I gotta I gotta make a band. I gotta fucking start a band. I gotta, you know, I gotta get my shit together and I gotta start making music. Cause this is a huge power pop, uh, like cult classic album. Uh, Badfinger, Cheap Trick, R.E.M., Green Day, Weezer, like all those bands, Fountains of Wayne, fucking those guys too. They probably heard that and were like, It's time, baby, it's time. And obviously they're mm-hmm. listening to Alex Chilton and Chris Bell and all those fucks are listening to the Beatles, and you can't not hear the Beatles when you're listening to this. You yeah, know, yeah, it's yeah. kind it's of so in the.
1: It's so apparent in the I, in the second half of the album, I think for me more than the first. Like the Beatles influence, um, starting from about like I think the India song. Uh, that song is not very, good.
0: That song is bad. I don't like that song. I,
1: uh it's 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 uh it's reminiscent of like my the least interesting beatles music to me which is when they're really into the kind of i guess after they like go on their eastern like uh their eastern tour or whatever very like kind of what is it within you without you Um yeah when they're like how can
0: we get the sitar in here whenever humanly possible
1: right exactly um
0: when I was but in when my
1: baby's beside me.
0: And when my baby's good, beside uh, me, that's a fucking Beatles song. That
1: is literally yeah.
0: just a fucking Beatles song re- well, not literally a Beatles song, but you just it's impossible to not hear the Beatles when you're listening to this, which isn't a bad thing because again, everyone who listened to the Beatles was like, Time to make a band, time to fucking get out there and play my guitar, mm-hmm. time to actually make music, you know? Uh, and I re-remembered how good this album was because I hadn't really listened to it a lot since early college. Last summer, when I was in Memphis, when I was on my road trip, and I was in Memphis because they Winterfell. were they're from there, and they had signed with Stax originally. That was their first label mm. that they were on, and they didn't really know how to how to market these guys. So the album did not do well commercially, even though it was liked by certain critics. They were like, "There's something here," yeah. but I think I have the figure in the fast facts. But I think it was like it sold less than like ten thousand copies. Which is nuts upon initial run mm-hmm. that this album did not sell better. Uh, so that's why I wanted to bring it on the show. I just I, I think this album has just a lot of great songs, and uh, when I think about the terminology and how we kind of you know decide what comes on the show, I think this is a perfect album to bring on this show.
1: Sure, I I guess I just I guess just the thing that's different for me is because I grew up in the Midwest and listening to like local radio stations or a local radio station that played a lot of like REM and, and things like that and hearing like when I was getting into music like the the writers or the other podcasters that I was really interested in were really acolyting for big stars so it is kind of, it has just kind of been a. Touchpoint album, even if it had like was l- lower in the Rolling Stone l- ranking than I have, I, I I think in the probably in the pantheon of America, I just it's not a bad album to bring on. I I think I think I, I, I is where I'm landing on this, but I just it's it I'm looking at like how many th- these are songs on Spotify that have millions of streams. <laughs> Mo- a lot of them do or close to a million streams. Most
0: things we um, talk about on e- this show have at least like a million streams or circling that. Like it's just that's just like we're not bringing on the most underground shit. That's I don't think that's what this show is. You know what I mean? It's not bring on the most obscure thing you can think of. I think it's bring on something. Cause that would suck. Just <laughs> no one would listen to that. No. Like, Dude. No one would listen to that. It would be like, oh, we're gonna talk about the toenail clip album today. You know, like what? Like, I'm not gonna listen to the toenail no, clip. No, 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 no.
1: Give no, give stuff that's a little far a little under the surface there a little bit more credit. There's interesting stuff there. Just like there's interesting stuff here. I think you're right that this is a happy sad album. I listened to this album for the show, taking the bus from yesterday afternoon from uh like Montrose and Damon down to where the empty bottle is and that's like a perfect stretch of time like about half an hour or about 45 minutes so it was perfect for me to listen to this and the sun was coming down and it was just like that perfect like kind of quality of afternoon light where it's not like late in the evening but just the shadows are getting slightly a little longer and i'm like this is perfect like big star music right here um, this is right what this is 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 this is right in the in the pocket of the vibe at the moment, and I think that that is a such a rare feeling that they are capturing i think that 's why thirteen hits so much uh thirteen's actually in an episode of of uh how I met your mother if I remember correctly with um I forget what 's going on exactly but ted 's bringing like going like on a fast series of dates or something with one of his pre-mother girlfriends. Um, and they're going, and it's a really, really sweet sequence. Um, Ted
0: is talking to women about how he, what his big three astrology signs are.
1: is probably what he's doing.
0: He's he's probably showing them how he has one.
1: Astrology didn't exist when How I Met Your Mother was
2: on TV.
0: Ted Mosby actually invented it so he could talk to women is what is what he yeah. did on that show. He was like, what's a way that I, what's a way that I can talk to women? I can invent astrology. That's what I'm going to do. That's what that show is. Yeah. Uh, I've yeah. seen every single episode of that show in high school and middle school. Because um, it's great. Because it's great. Yeah. Um, the Ballad of El Goodo is so good. Unbelievably good song.
1: Like That might be the most El Goodo song ever written, I think. Like... It has that quality of like great songs that we've talked about on the show like Farewell Transmission or Clay Pigeons where it's like oh when I'm listening to this song I just want to be listening to this song for the rest of my life.
0: Yes, you it, know. And it does have that quality where I just remember the like the first time I really heard it like in college I was like I guess I'm just going to be listening to this all week now. Like I like it's just like I guess this yeah, is just exactly. going to be on repeat, you know. Uh and it, it's so like of like affirming like it's just like a life affirming song you just put that shit on and you're just like i can do anything i want you know like it, it's like a confidence boost anytime you need it. it is
1: one the thing that i like about that song the most um is how the it's it's a song about like kind of like strife and triumph and and um just just giving yourself that little giving yourself that little extra juice to take on things that are that that are really difficult and it starts off you know years ago my heart was set to live uh i've been up against unbelievable odds and then at the song ends it's i've been up against strong odds so there's still like you have made progress against these the odds, basically, but it's still the odds are still against you in some way. Um, it's not about like it, it's it's a it's a song that I really like because it just gives you the power to take apart and like a, a tackle like the the just the the, the 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 things in your life that are causing you trouble and just making that burden just that much smaller even is like, is like progress. And it's so affirming in that particular way. Um, yeah. I, that's a great song. I So this time listening, because I was trying to treat it as much as like a first listen as possible. Uh, when I gave it my second listen, I really, really, really loved the kind of three strings of give me another chance to watch the sunrise. Yeah. That's a great, um, that's a
0: great string. that's, I would say that but the string of, the Ballad of El Gudo through thirteen and then Give Me Another Chance to Watch the Sunrise are the two like highlights of the album. Like without a doubt.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Very George I was getting a lot it was giving George Harrison, as they say. It was giving a lot of George Harrison. Serving George is my favorite Beatle. Well, really? <laughs> yeah.
0: You don't like you don't like Sir Paul McCartney?
1: I'm not saying I don't like Sir Paul McCartney. I'm just saying that when I need, when I'm in the, when I when I'm hankering for a little something or other, George Harrison's usually the guy that I'm going for for songs. You know what I'm saying? Like
0: you don't like headset. John Lennon.
1: <laughs>
0: you don't like him. Come here, Mason. I'm got to show me? you my new song, Mason.
1: <laughs> Here's my new song. It's called "Imagine." There's no farting.
0: <laughs> Imagine there's no farting, Mason. Yoko has no idea that the song's gonna come out.
1: <laughs> I don't have an asshole, Mason. I don't fart. I it, don't know how to do my farting.
0: All my farts come out of my mouth, Mason. My breath smells like pure shit. Pure <laughs> shite, Mason. <laughs> And now I'm in well, the Beatles, Mason. I'm in the Beatles. John, don't
1: say that about yourself. I really like In My Room. In My Room is such a lovely song, my r-
0: You know it smells crazy in there, Mason. You know my room smells fucking crazy, <laughs> Mason.
1: In my life. Fuck, in my room's the Beach Boy songs. I'm. You got me fucked up here on It's On The List.
0: Yeah, what else is new? Yeah, what else is new? Uh, the India song is fucking crazy that that song is even on this album. It's the only song they yeah. let Andy Hummel really sort of take the lead on, and it sticks out like a sore thumb to me personally. And we've i guess we've already kind of talked about it. And if we want to, if we even want to call back to last week's episode when Chef Ian was asking us about albums that should have should have ended the song prior to the ending song, this is that album. Get rid of STX. Or ST-100 uh, number six.
1: Yeah, as, like, a song, I'm not going to put it on and listen to it for less than a minute. But I do just kind of like the... Uh, talking about, like, just a kind of album and the feeling it has, you know, it has this, like... It ha- it does have this warmth, this, like, kind of happy-sad sort of character to it. Um, but there's also... Uh, what's... It, there's also songs like... Um, don't Lie to Me, which is a super, like, this really wicked, like, kind of bluesy number that that I really like, it's super, that has great, like, solos in it, guitar solos in it, Um, but it has just this, like, kind of energy and exuberance, and I kind of like that ST100 over 6 just, like, kind of cuts the album off, like, um, kind of prematurely, and it kind of takes you by surprise just how abruptly it ends, and you know listening to it now in 2022 like 50 years after it was this album was released it you can kind of like that kind of uh maybe uh it's kind of ironic or whatever that it's that's like like kind of the history of big star too like they released this album and then this really influential band and then but uh, it like with the death of chris bell and just like some other things as i as i understand in my limited knowledge of the band itself it just like kind of ends prematurely you know it's this kind of uh, to me that it it's just like a kind of reminder of the tragedy of this band um but i do think that you would not lose it you wouldn't lose too much by cutting it off entirely but i i, I like it i like the kind of feeling that it that it that it uh, uh leaves you with there
0: yeah just i feel like that watch the sunrise is just like such a powerhouse of an, uh, you know, if that would think about that as the ender, you know, and you just like, just erase ST100 over six, like just ending the album on that note, I don't know. I feel, I feel like maybe that's the move. Sorry, I'll, sorry to the surprising members of, of Big Star, but maybe that's the move, unfortunately, but I don't hate it. It's just, you know, I was thinking about Chef Ian's question and how it's kind of a hard question to answer. Ultimately, because you don't think as much about penultimate great songs, you think about mm-hmm. what how did that album close, you know. But I was thinking about oh, maybe this is maybe this is one of those things. Uh, I'm gonna give my Zvon to give me another chance. I'm actually kind of surprised Ooh, that that choice. that that song is not like a big star classic song. I'm actually surprised on that because I think that it like it, I think that that kind of fits in that ballad of El Guero in the Street 13 run almost better than it does the back half run, to be honest with you, in terms of the overall sound. So I'm giving my Z to that one. Uh what else do I got here? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's a great album. It's it's a great album. And I yeah, love it's it. It's a great album.
1: I yeah, it's it's a it is a great album. Um It's a great album. I don't know what to say about it. I it's I, 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 I kind of come to a loss when there's something that's like this big in my mind you know, about how to talk about it and, like, kind of break it down and, like, its effect on you, you know. But it it really is just, um, it's it's one of those albums that I think just does kind of feel like a real gift to the listener um, at the end of the day.
0: Agreed. And that's why it's a perfect album to bring on the show. Big Star was an American rock band formed in Memphis, Tennessee in 1971 by Alex Chilton, Chris Bell, Jody Stevens, and Andy Hummel. They broke up in early 1975 and reorganized the new lineup 18 years later following a reunion at the University of Missouri. In its first era, the band's musical style drew heavily on Beatles, The Rolling Stone, and The Birds. And they produced a style that foreshadowed, let's go, alternative rock of the 80s and 90s. Before they broke up, Big Star created a, quote, seminal body of work that never stopped inspiring succeeding generations in the words of Rolling Stone and was the, quote, quintessential American power pop band and one of the most mythic and influential cult acts in all of rock and roll. From 1967 to 1970, Chilton was the lead singer of the blue-eyed soul group The Box Tops. Did you ever have to bring box tops into school, Mason? I did. What were those, actually? Genuinely, what were they?
1: I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know either. I just know that I had – yeah, I had a uh, another great – a separate great aunt from the one that would bring me to uh, the CSO. To Billy who Billy Elliot. Would always get, yeah, or to Billy Elliot, I mean. CSO and Billy Elliot. Uh, that would just like give me and my sister her collected box tops, and we'd bring it in, and there's like a little – in the library there was there's like a a box or something where you can put your box tops and i don't know what they did i don't know if you scanned them and the school got money or or what but we didn't get any fucking prizes for doing all of that collecting all that shit seems like
0: a little bit of an mlm at this point in my life to be honest with you yeah get all these kids to beg their parents to buy like reese's puff cereal and then they yeah. cut off the box top bring it in who cares did we yeah. see? Did we reap rewards from that? I don't think we did,
2: personally.
1: I don't think we did. You know that scheme that is a, does sound a little bit like a, a multi level marketing or an MLM scheme. Um, like you said, I, I I hadn't considered it like that, but now that you bring it up, it's it. I think you're right on the money there. Time to sue um, but,
0: our respective school districts for everything that they got. Yeah, cheating us. It's out time of to life. sue. Our,
1: Time to sue our school districts, um, but I was going to say that this, you know, uh, I think that this this podcast is a little like a, an MLP, like a My Little Pony, and, and friendship friendship is magic.
0: Uh, they scored in the... Please stop. The Box scored a number one hit song with the, with the song The Letter uh, when he was 16. After leaving the group, he recorded a solo album. That is Alex Chilton, of course, if you remember from two minutes ago. He was offered the role of lead vocalist for Blood, Sweat, and Tears but turned it down because he viewed them as too commercial. Interesting. That is extremely Interesting. wild as fuck. Uh, Chilton had known Chris Bell for some time. They both lived in Memphis and had spent time recording music at Ardent Studios. A song Chilton wrote nearly six years after he wit- first witnessed the Beatles... Performance. Well, the be- oh, the oh, you gonna say, hey Alex Chilton? There you are. Would you like to come smell my mouth? This,
1: yeah, just Alex. Uh, the uh, John and George are saying on stage. This, we're giving dedicated the song to Alex Chilton and Chris Bell, who are going to be the Beatles of the mid of uh, of Nashville. And they can't. Chris and Alex are in are in this in the in the audience. And they can't hear anything because everyone's screaming so loud around them. Um, I don't know. That's
0: what. It, no, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Uh, a song Chilton uh, I everything you just said verbatim everything that you and I say I think it's probably time we break it to the audience everything you and I say on this show is scripted out very carefully
1: yeah yeah yeah,
0: yeah. kind of a bummer when you're <laughs> when you're when your dreams are shattered like that and I'm sorry to the audience for that to be honest with you uh, whatever Heath wrote 13 uh, when he was like 13 or 16 years old referred to the event with the line rock and roll is here to stay Chilton asked Bell to work with him as a duo modeled after Simon and Garfunkel. Initially, Bell declined, but he invited Chilton to perform in his own band, Icewater, comprising of Bell, drummer Jody Stevens, and bassist Andy Hummel. Hmm, where have we heard of those guys before? Uh, Attracted by Icewater's music, Chilton showed them three new songs, one of which being Watch the Sunrise and was asked to join the band. Both Watch the Sunrise and 13 were obviously uh, included on number one record. Drummer Jody Stevens recalled, quote, Alex would come in and put something down rough and edgy, and Chris would come in and add some sweet-sounding background vocals. Chilton once offered the following uh, on Chris Bell's unique vocal contributions. Chris and I did all the vocal harmonies, and he had a brilliant mind that worked in a sort of contraptual way. It wasn't based on so much, oh, you're singing the root, I should be singing the third above. He would just sing along with the line I was singing. He was a brilliant, instinctual maker of counterpoint. It's an interesting thing to say. I would say that about you too, Mason. You are you are you are a brilliant instinctual maker of counterpoint. I'm saying something cool, and you're saying something insane. If
1: that's what you feel, if that's what you feel,
0: the pair. I'm just fucking kidding. The pair also contributed songs to the album that were individually composed before Big Star was formed. Chris brought the songs Feel My Life Is Right and Try Again to the recording sessions, which he had previously recorded with the band called Rock City, which featured big stummer, uh, big star drummer Jody Stevens and Steve Rhea. And Chilton brought the ballad of El Gudo in the street and the acoustic ballads 13 to watch the sunrise. In 1993, Chilton and Stevens reformed Big Star with recruits John Auer and Ken Stringfellow of the Posies and gave a concert at University of Missouri. The band remained active, performing in Europe and Japan until they released a a new studio album, In Space, in 2005. Unfortunately, Chilton passed away in March of 2010 after suffering from heart problems. Hummel, unfortunately, passed away of cancer four months later. Uh, Those deaths left Stevens as the sole surviving founding member of Big Star, they were introdu- inducted into the music uh, Memphis Music Hall of Fame in 2014. Since December of 2010, surviving uh, several surviving members have appeared in a series of live tribute performances of the album Third Sisters Love under the billing Big Stars Third. And as of 2017, that project has remained active. Uh, Proper handling, however, was not forthcoming of this album. Stax proved unable to promote or distribute the record to any degree of success and even had the band's own effort to get airplay generated interest. Fans were unable to buy it as Stax could not make it available in many stores. Stax, in an effort to improve its catalog availability, signed a deal with Columbia, already successful distributors in the U.S., making Columbia responsible for the entire Stax catalog. But Columbia had no interest in dealing with the independent distributors previously used by Stax and never even and removed even the existing copies of number one record from the stores. They fucked them so hard. It sold fewer than ten thousand copies upon initial release. And last fast fact The album's reputation and influence have continued since then. As William Rollman wrote in All Music, The problem with coming in late on artwork lauded as influential is that you've probably encountered the work it influenced first, so its truly innovative qualities are lost. Thus, if you're hearing Big Star's debut album for the first time decades after its release, you may be reminded of Tom Petty or R.E.M. who came after it. That is, if you don't think of The Birds and The Beatles circa 1965. What was remarkable about number one record in 1972 was that nobody except big star maybe Bad finger on the Raspberries wanted to sound like this simple light pop yeah. with sweet harmonies and jangly guitars and that truly I think that is a very it's a very good point and something that it's hard to think about in when you're viewing right. art that is considered like influential because most people will copy it in some way or another and you're like what the fuck? Who cares? You know, like when you watch like an early movie, you're like, okay, I've seen that before. But it's like, no, but they literally did it first, you know?
1: No, no, no. I think you're right. Just because like the, the, no, yeah, I, I nobody really wanted to do something that was like this. Like you said, simple power poppy, at least in the United States in 1972. Very, um, you know, I'm looking at just, if you look up 1972 in albums on Google, you just like get that banner up the top. And across the top, you have Exile on Main Street by The Rolling Stones. Yep. You have the Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust. You have Harvest by Oh wow! Uh, yeah, Close to the Edge, uh, Honky Chateau, Elton John's Honky Chateau, which, depending on the day, might be my favorite Elton John album. Can't Buy a Thrill, Steely Dan. Uh, I think Pink. Yeah, Pink Moon. Nick what Drake, a fucking Superfly, great year! Holy shit! Yeah, uh, Cans. Ege Bamiyasi, I'm not sure. It's the Can album that has the the green the uh, the can on it um it's a great album it's a great year for for music roxy music's debut um uh but not a lot of stuff that just has this uh sail away randy newman sail away let's go music of my mind yeah 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 great great year for music but nothing um that i can like have any familiarity with that has this just kind of the word i used earlier was was exuberance i think um a lot of kind of arts artsy's kind of somewhat complicated stuff bubbling to the top but these guys you know alex Shilton and chris bell like they they really were invested in just being like a songwriting at least at this time like just just writing good songs um and uh just having a good band and just playing together um and It's the the simplicity of their their music is like the beautiful thing about it, you know. Like simplicity, like simplicity also being one of the hardest things to to make in art. Yes, you know. Um, I couldn't write this fucking music, you know. Uh, Um, it's it and the fact that they were also so young and just had this like kind of these like these instincts and these songwriting instincts, um, is really beautiful. Um, you know, like. Yeah, it's it's, I that's that's the end of my point. That's I was the end of my point. I was thinking about album.
0: I was thinking about that simplicity point last night when I was seeing War on Drug, the War on Drugs, because mm-hmm. it's kind of insane. I truly could not tell you the names of most of the songs that were played when I saw them last mm-hmm. night. I just couldn't. Mm-hmm. I'm not like. A like a like a like a
1: bibliophile. A recent, but you're like a fairly recent like yes. acolyte to them. Yes, yeah. like
0: within the last year, more or less. Um, yeah, and so I couldn't tell you a lot of the names of the songs because I'm like Mason said, I'm fairly recent, you know, fan of theirs. Like holy shit, I gotta go see these guys live. But the lighting show and just how simple Incredible. that show is it's just so yeah. they're using color and space <laughs> to do that lighting stuff and then all the music is just like every song was so good and i'm just like they literally just get in the studio and play a concert every single time that's literally what Absolutely. they do and yeah. it sounds so good it's like why doesn't <laughs> other people just do that instead it's so good and that's kind of how i feel about these guys too where it's just like fuck it's just so clear and simple and makes you feel unbelievable and that's what's so cool absolutely. about this
1: absolutely yeah there's there there's also rare there's also barely a song that's longer than 4 minutes on this album most of them hover around the 2 3 minute range uh ballad of El Goodo is the longest at 4 minutes 20 seconds ha <laughs> ha um and that's, whole, that's uh, so
0: funny that they for, how it's about so funny four 4 minutes and 69 seconds how about, how about that what if
1: it was the ba- yeah what if it was the ballad of the, of bad the ballad sexo? of el of bad sex, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: It would be a. It would be about this podcast then. Oh baby, oh fuck! Hold on, I got a new drop. Can I debut this drop right now? Yes,
1: that's the most. Yes, 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 yes. You're serious man, you cannot be serious.
0: John McEnroe screaming, "You cannot be serious."
1: Sort of wow you should have played that earlier when I was going on in my nonsense about this baby not being an underrated album. Be
2: serious, man. You That's cannot be serious! I
0: was too busy actually go. being kind of upset
1: <laughs>
0: to think about my shitty drop. Uh, Mason, I forgot how the Mercedes no. Valuable Player works again. Can you remind me?
1: Yes. Well, well. Uh, first you you go to the bathroom Oh. and you uh, turn on the shower. Oh. And you kind of uh, sit in the steam for a little bit, let it open up your lungs. Yep. And then you, you go in and you take your body wash and you put it in your loofah and you just lather it. You make yourself feel nice and good. Okay. Uh, and then you get off and you, you pat yourself dry and you apply your your uh, face wash and moisturizer. Then you brush your teeth and you put on your comfy clothes and you, you sit in your chair, your easiest chair maybe one that looks out over over an open uh, a window that opens up to the to the street and you're just okay. your people watching and you have your your cup of tea and you're just like sort of considering um you know uh, all the life that is passing in front of you and you think you know you know i'm I, right now you know what i'm really thinking about is just um Mercedes Ruel's performance as Connie in right, yeah. Married to the Mob, Right. Yeah. yeah, and and just with with that in mind, maybe you put on uh, an album or a movie, and with Mercedes Ruel's performance as Connie uh, in in your mind, you go, well, what's the what's the thing in this this album or movie or piece of media that is making it sing for me the most right now? What's the thing that's really making making right. this for me? And then you uh, you know you get up from doing that and you come and you sit down and you do your your podcast and you make your co host mad uh, because it's fun for you to do that right yeah um, and you talk about the album or the movie that you just watched and you give out an award um, to the thing in that album or movie that you think um, really really makes it what it is uh, and then you share that and you give it the name of the Mercedes valuable uh, player um, the MVP uh we're gonna call that section the if on a winter's night a mercedes valuable player uh but that's what it is it's a special award we give out on the show uh to the thing that makes serious
2: man you cannot be serious
1: yeah there we go thank you thank you thank you
0: (laughs) i'm gonna give mine thank you for that explanation by the way it actually makes sense to me now (laughs) it actually makes sense to me now what the what the award is um which is cool (laughs) which is cool for me Uh, I'm going to give the Mercedes Valuable Player Award for number one record by Big Star to Mr. Alex Chilton. Um, I think if you look at if you go to the Wikipedia for this album and you look at the track listing, it says all tracks are written by Chris Bell and Alex Chilton, except where noted. And all of my favorite songs, with the exception of the Mm -hmm. song In the Street, which we didn't say is the theme song to that 70s show.
1: Oh. I didn't notice that. Wait, I thought isn't thank you new thank you Cleveland the theme song to that that 70s show? It's
0: like a it's like a obviously it's not the actual Big Star song but they redid it and at the very end they go "Hello Wisconsin!" but it's in the okay. street. Okay. Oh, okay.
1: I I Which was mind blowing to me when seven... I
0: when I heard that originally. I was like that's That is really
1: crazy. cool. That is really cool. I to to be honest, I never watched too much that seventies show so it didn't it didn't register.
0: Dude. Some babes on that seventies show when you're in middle school.
1: I know. Listen, I'm I'm not saying that I've never watched it. And Red
0: Foreman And Red Foreman's forehead Red Forehead.
1: Well, isn't he always putting a foot in in his in his in Eric's ass or something like that? Like I'm gonna yes. put my foot in your ass. He's like, Kurtwood Smith is one of the fucking goats. I love that guy. Yeah,
0: he's unreal. He's and it's he's the fucking bad guy in RoboCop too. Literally, mm-hmm. the, if you want to talk, it's the two. All right, y'all want to talk about range and it's Kurtwood Smith in RoboCop and Red Foreman in that '70s show. I'll just I'll just say all my favorite songs on this album. Have Chilton in the lead in the front in the in the driver's seat. He's the lead vocals on Ballad of El Goodo, 13. Uh When My Baby's Beside Me, give me another chance and watch the sunrise. And it's hard to distinguish who's playing what guitar part. Is it Bell? Is it Chilton? I couldn't tell you, just purely based on ear. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I I couldn't either. But
0: to me, when I think of what makes Big Star special, it's Alex Chilton. So, to me, he gets my Mercedes yeah. Viable Player. What do you got, Mace?
1: I was going to give mine, actually, to the songwriting duo of Chilton and Bell. There you go. Um, I think, yeah, I, I think that it's kind of hard to, like, Alex Chilton is absolutely one of the um, most important, I think, American songwriters, at least, in the last 50 or so years. Um, particularly American songwriting, just just with the consideration of everything that comes after that. Um, and yeah, like the partnership with Chris Bell, Chris Bell's solo record is actually really, really good. I talked about it earlier. Um, and since he, he died at, he was a, he is an, uh, a member of the 27 club. Uh, unfortunately oh, wow. died in a, yeah. In a tragic car accident. Um, he, but he, I was doing a little bit of research and it seemed like he just had such an, a knack for just production. Uh, struck me as a really, really talented guy and their their songwriting duo is um it's pretty unbeatable like this is just such a um it's it's a it's pretty unbeatable so i had to give them both both credit on this album alex chilton had a little more i think of a career after this and like as a solo you know just yeah just like if i understand correctly just like solo um kind of stuff there but um don't sleep on chris bell not not past guest of this show on friend Chris Bell. Yeah, don't sleep on that Chris guy. Don't
0: sleep on him either. Don't, don't... sleep on that guy either. Yeah. No,
1: don't sleep on that guy either. Don't sleep uh, on that because he's Don't sleep on that sweetie pie because it would be very uncomfortable for him.
0: Oh, my man. My man. Hold up. Hold up, Mason. Hold up, Mason. You know. <laughs> you know it's time for the McDonald's food. I'm taking a shit. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. My penis hole itches. This gets a full recommend. <laughs> <laughs> this gets a full recommend from me. Um, easy. Because it is actually a good thing to bring on the show. Um, and people should listen to it. So, a full recommend.
1: It's a full recommend for me, too. Love that.
0: Love that. All right, Mason. We got a movie to talk about that I picked as well. Is this... Can I talk... Is this a thing that, that's okay to bring on the show? Can I'm I say so that shoes from Texas are so, dumb?
1: No, this I'm so happy you brought this motherfucking shit on the fucking show here. All right, like, let's do it. This well, is this is what I love. Yes. Well,
0: then you introduce it. Then what are we talking about? Movie wise
1: We're talking about Elaine May's The Heartbreak Kid, ladies, gentlemen, everyone in between are not on that spectrum at all.
0: That's right. That's right.
1: That's uh, right.
0: I believe, and you have to. You're gonna have to correct me if I'm wrong, or if I if parts of this are wrong but i believe last year when i before i went on my trip maybe even while i was on my trip i think i said to you specifically do whatever you want but don't talk about the heartbreak kid 1972 without me on the show true
1: um, I don't I don't remember that, but I'm not saying that it didn't happen. I'm just saying I don't remember it.
0: I think it happened, because I think I remember okay. saying that to I'll you. And then I think you said, that's fine. <laughs> and that's fine, a space, and then the period. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, he's fucked. He's fucking pissed. Um, This is Elaine May's second film, after A New Leaf. Mm-hmm. It's from 1972. We got two 1972 MFers on the show today. Mason, what's we your history? It. What we love it. I don't care. I wub it. I love it. I wub it. I wub you. I love you, Elaine I May. I love you too. And I love you. I love I, you too. Yeah, and I wub you too. Uh, okay, what's your history with uh, this MFer and Elaine May?
1: uh I'm trying to pull up on Letterboxd right now my very first viewing of this movie because I've seen this movie quite a bit. Uh I would let's see. Uh G-G-G-G. okay, first time that I watched this was uh Wednesday February 10th 2016. I was probably uh at work uh watching this Fighting my time until i was about to go to the semester in los angeles there we was go going to be my final semester of columbia college chicago and do that in los angeles and uh the film spotting fellas were doing one of their classic movie series uh where they do one movie they just kind of in between their regularly scheduled like just weekly review of whatever the big movie that week is They talk about, they do it through a filmography or a a genre or something like that. And they did Elaine May in, I believe, February of 2016. Four movies, more or less four weeks until I was going to get on the plane. So I'm like, this is great. I can just watch one Elaine May movie a week and then go to Los Angeles. Um, So I watched A New Leaf uh, slightly before this. I watched uh, this probably at work on YouTube. and even on my tiny little laptop screen, uh, attention more or less divided uh, from work and things like this. This movie just got me good. Uh, I fell pretty hard for it, uh, and I really stumped for it and acolyted for it as best as I could. Uh, I kept returning to either scenes from this movie or rewatching it. I've seen this movie now with today's... Uh, with with the viewing that I did for the show today, I've seen the movie four times. Evidently I've seen it I saw it in 2016. I watched it again. That's following September. Uh, and actually this is like a February movie for me actually, because my, there's a five year gap between full watches of this movie. And then the, the time right before I saw this, the last time I watched it was Saturday, February 20th, 2021. Um, uh i don't remember the context for for that viewing um but that's when i watched it all the same but even so this is a movie that just because like it's it just like burrowed deep into like just like my kind of i guess subconscious or whatever i it was uh, a cycle in and out of my letterbox top 4 favorite movies and i think when we had our initial phone call yes. before we started doing this show this is one of the ones that i this was a movie that i mentioned was one of my favorites um of all time and that's where I will leave this, uh, this right now. That's where I'll leave that right now. This is where I leave. Tell you. me how this. This is where I leave you. Uh, this is where I leave poo. This
0: is where I was going to say. This is where I pee you is what I
1: was going to say. This is where I pee poo with my
0: pee, with my. This is where I pee poop. <laughs> this is where my penis hole itches. <laughs> I've been thinking about the penis hole quite a bit recently. But that's yeah. not something I'm gonna Well, actually let's get into it. I've been thinking about what if someone <laughs> what if someone's penis hole was wider than it was tall.
1: So like kind of when like a cat's eyes get really big, like like that kind of thing.
0: I'm thinking more like a USB C port <laughs> is what I'm <laughs> thinking is, is what I'm thinking of specifically. Uh, what if I'm checking whole- in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in, baby. You put a, you, you put your fucking dick in a USB-C port. That's what I'm thinking. That is truly what I've been thinking about. I feel like there's nothing necessarily that would not really affect your life, as far as I can tell. Maybe your P-stream would be, like, wild as hell, but also maybe it would be consistent right. as hell.
1: I don't think about these things. Um, <laughs> I'm happy... To to consider this, I suppose. Um, Let's
0: get a fan poll going.
1: <laughs> yeah, on this. E- email in with if you e- email in with your thoughts. Everybody wants to the number two get on the list at gmail Everyone wants to the number two get on the list at gmail.com. Uh, just because I, I am curious
0: now. Well, I'm curious where people's pee holes are at. Um, yeah. So okay. I remember. Here's here's the context in which I saw this movie for the first time. Okay. Well, actually, even before that. Elaine May was someone I started hearing about at the end of college, like my second half of my junior, senior year of college. I had a friend, at Responsible Rob on Twitter, Robert Franco, who, Mm -hmm. actually two friends, now that I think about it, who really love Mikey and Nikki a lot. They're like, that movie is one of the best of all time. I had never seen it up until then, and the only time that I had seen it, so it's kind of interesting, actually, that you talked about watching The Heartbreak Kid on a laptop, The only time I've seen Mikey and Nikki was on a laptop, and it was the Mm -hmm. last movie I ever watched on a laptop, because I just said, this fucking sucks to watch shit. I hate Mm -hmm. watching shit on my laptop. I would just rather I just don't want to do that. I just don't want to experience movies that way. At a certain point, I remember when Netflix streaming was like pretty new. I think the first time I ever watched The Big Lebowski, I watched it on my phone. And at the time, I was like, this is amazing that I can just watch this movie on my phone. But now I would, I don't even like watching shit on planes, to be totally honest with you. I'll do other stuff on planes. I'll listen to music, podcasts, read, you know, do some other Think like activity. Think about if
1: your penis hole, hole was wider and smaller. Then instead it was taller.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. And that would be, well, the reason I was thinking about it is because I remembered the word chode. You know, remember that, remember that awesome great word, word.
1: Chode? Oh, great word and great, great word to attack. Like, just, just great all around. I'm very pro, pro, this is a pro chode podcast. Oh, I know why you're pro chode. And we don't, I think
0: everybody else knows why too. But I was thinking about what if your penis hole was the chode? That's what I was, that's truly what I was thinking about. And that's why it came to me. I was thinking about what sure, if the penis hole sure, was wider than it was tall.
1: What if? Yeah.
0: And that's... It has nothing... It won't affect your life, probably. But maybe it would. But maybe it, it might, would. And if we don't know. It would be... Yeah.
1: Yeah. I would certainly be up living my life different if I if that was my if that was my shit, you know?
0: How would you be living your life differently? I'm not curious.
1: I don't think I'd have a podcast. That's for damn sure. I yeah. think I'd be a championship swimmer. <laughs> You'd be
0: sucking the water through your penis hole. You'd be like, exactly. "I'm sort of like a fish. I'm sort of like a fish." I would be able
1: to swim like how David Hasselhoff swims in this SpongeBob movie.
0: Like a little flipping, just flipping your 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 feet like Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I watched Nike and <laughs> on my laptop, and I was like, I'm sure this is a great movie, and I haven't watched it since, but I'm like, I'm just not doing this anymore. I just, It's not worth it, especially mm-hmm. if you're watching a movie for the first time. I'm not willing yeah. to do it at this right. point in my life. I just won't do it anymore. Right. Um, but in July of 2019, I moved to Los Angeles for the first time. And I was no. living- <laughs> Yeah! <laughs> Yes! I actually did. <laughs> I, I know you did. That I was, was, that was did.
1: huge for you. That was huge for you. It was.
0: And I lived in North Hollywood. I don't know if we discussed mm. this on mic, but Mason and I, when we first moved to Los Angeles, we both lived in North Hollywood. He was not in North mm. Hollywood in the time I was, but we lived walking distance from each other where we both lived yes. in North Hollywood. Kind of cool. Kind of swag. Very cool. We could have met up at the Lemley. We could have walked could to have the Lemley.
1: All of the movies we could have seen at the Lemley together.
0: Marriage, Story, Marriage uh, Story. The Way Back, which is the last movie I saw in theaters before the pandemic. The one with Ben Affleck where he's an
1: alcoholic. basketball I probably coach. could have saw Uncut Gems there, too. Like, just on an afternoon. Just like, yeah, let's go see Uncut Gems.
0: I never saw Uncut Gems there, but we could have.
1: Right. The possibility existed, even though...
0: Could have seen yeah, Dougal... Uh, but I ru- I drove <laughs> <laughs> I, dro- I drove from my <laughs> my apartment in, <laughs> in Los Angeles. We should have just seen Dougal. To be honest we with you,
1: just, why did we cover Dougal on the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> seen, I
0: actually have seen that movie more than I've seen The Heartbreak Kid <laughs> 1972. I've seen that movie at least three times in my life, like bare minimum. I've only seen this movie twice. All to say, my friend, past guest. The last guest we just had, Dustin Titcomb, said, if you go to Cinephile Video in Sawtell and say you want the Secret Movie Club discount, they will give you one free month of membership just for mentioning the Secret Movie Club discount. And I Mm. said, that's amazing. And he knew that because he was at the screening of all that jazz at the Vista prior to them shutting down and not using that space. I didn't go, but I was going to take advantage of that. And being new to L.A. and never having lived in that big of a city before, I thought, oh, it's only 15 miles from where I live. That won't take me a long time to get there. Little did I know how much of a pain in the fucking ass it is to get from the valley to the west side. I'm touching my wider than it is tall penis hole during recording, (laughs) navel gazing there. But I went because I was there because I took the journey. Mm-hmm. And I said to the guy, hey, I'm here for the Secret Movie Club discount. And he just goes, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I say, I was at the screening of all that jazz that Craig said, if we mention the Secret Movie Club discount, we get a free month of membership here. And he goes, you are the first person to come in and ask for that discount.
1: All right. All right. <laughs>
0: and I was like, oh, okay, um... I drove from North Hollywood to be here. Can you give me the discount? And he said, I have to make a call real quick. So he calls Craig, the guy who runs the secret movie club, and says, Right. Someone's here. Is this something that you did? Because he's just an employee. He does not run the fucking membership program. He's just there to execute, you know? And so he turns around and goes, Okay, you're good. Can I see your ticket for all that jazz? And I'm like, he got me. Mm. <laughs> he, he got me. Because I wasn't even going. Ooh. So, you know what I did? You know what I did, Mason, I just looked at him, dead in the eyes, and I said, I don't have it anymore. I threw it in the trash. <laughs> I threw it in the trash. And he went, that's okay, I trust you. He actually said, that's okay, I trust you. And he should not have. <laughs> and I knew this was not going to be a place that I could come all the time. <laughs> I would probably have to load up, like, weekly. Yeah and then just come back on the weekly or however their fucking system works. I don't remember. It's a great spot. If you live on the west side of L.A., that is a spot you have to get a membership to. It's so cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've never been, but I yeah.
0: It's amazing. It's so cool. It's I wish I lived closer, because I would go all the time. Um, But I knew that I had to prioritize stuff that was hard to find. And I knew the Heartbreak Kid was right. hard to find. And it, we'll get to why it's hard to find in the Fast Facts. But it's genuinely such a hard movie to look down. And only recently has it been fully uploaded to YouTube, like within the last year. So, lucky for y'all, you can watch it in full on YouTube for free. That was not the thing in 2019 when I watched it. So, I watched it on July 27th, 2019, and I was immediately like, oh, this is so fucking good. I wish all comedies were like this. Truthfully, I truly yeah. do wish that mm-hmm. all comedies were like this. And this and, like, Punch Drunk glove. I wish all comedies were like. Because it's just, from the minute you're in there, the minute it starts, you just are so in that character's POV that everything that happens becomes funny.
1: It is, like, so much of this movie and the comedy are just, like, nobody really... Or I don't want to say nobody because I don't. I, I very few directors, and very few comedy directors, love the like long take as much as Elaine May does. totally, and just seeing it's so funny to just like um for like one scene for example the um uh the scene where Lenny's at dinner with the Corcorans in Miami and it's they're they're like yeah. squeezed so tight in the frame um and you're watching Eddie Albert and Charles Grodin who just just the, Eddie Albert so here uh, this movie got so many supporting like acting oscar nominations number 1 which you never get for comedies anymore which is great because there's so many fucking great performances in this in this movie um but in this scene in particular it's awesome to just watch this entire scene play out. You have these this very tense interaction between these two guys, one of which fucking hates the other guy. I mean, they both probably hate each other's guts, but Lenny knows that he has to. He's got to play you know, a game. Uh, you got to play a game exactly. Like this whole movie is just about like just these these people playing fucking games with each other um, and using each just, other
0: in just. Ju- I mean, it's fucking. It's like if there were fifteen George Costanzas on screen at once. Is what it feels the, the, like to watch this movie. Yeah,
1: the I when I watched this movie for the first time, I had like, um, I, I had that thing after I finished watching where I'm like, I just have to digest every piece of writing that I can find about this this movie, and so much of what I read initially in 2016 was like comparing this movie to. The Graduate, uh, not just because, you know, The Graduate is a Mike Nichols movie, but they kind of have similar, and Mike Nichols and Elaine May were comedy partners in the, in the 50s and 60s, um, uh, but there's just, like, this, the character of Lenny, who's just, like, this other, like, kind of drifting, aimless guy, uh, same as Benjamin Braddock, uh, in The Graduate, and just the, the, particularly, like, just the ending moments of those two movies, and how, it's it, it it's so funny, and I don't think a lot of movies these days. Worst Person in the World was a recent one, just because that's the one, last movie I saw in theaters. But it's kind of an example of one where it's just like a movie where a character and a comedy where a character just does not know what they want with their life. Um, and with the Heartbreak Kid, just the impulsiveness of of Lenny Cantro yeah. is so funny. Like, just this guy who is doing nothing but making. Like, doesn't realize that he's creating traps for himself. Watching and yeah, call, watching this guy yeah.
0: lie and watching him dig his own grave. This whole movie is just watching a guy dig a grave, and you're like, well, it can't get any more deep than this. The grave mm-hmm. cannot be dug any more deep than it already has been. Yeah, And somehow he finds a way, whether it's with Jeannie Berlin's character, with Sybil Shepard's character, who, the, we have so few episodes of this of this podcast left that I have to just say I would bust immediately if I saw a seventy Civil Shepherd walking around oh, in yes. real life.
1: If the if the, the the shot of her emerging and like standing in front of the sun is one of the greatest shots in any in in movies, like just straight up. Uh, and I agree, I would just immediately if I saw that in real life, I would. Bust. i'm watching this movie you know like just on like kind of bad either youtube rips or like bad dvd rips that i'm uh acquiring somehow he Hee ha ha, he, he, ha and ha. even then she is like she is just so luminous and beautiful in this movie that you would you understand why a, a guy like lenny cantro would drop everything <laughs> and chase after her and can, like that's the thing that's great about this movie is like it's about like This aimless guy who keeps going in the direction of these women, but he doesn't have, he doesn't know why he's doing it. He doesn't have like just, he either, he doesn't think to stop and think about what he's doing until the very end of the movie. Until he's already done it.
0: He's, he doesn't think about anything until it's already done. And then he realizes, how can I get out of this one? How can I weasel my way out of this one? Uh an underrated portion of this movie, in my opinion, because when I this is my only my second time seeing the film, and I kind mm. of only remembered Miami and the very end of the movie. Like mm. those are those are the mm. things that stick in my mind the most. This time, mm. the portion of the movie that maybe I liked the most was them getting to Miami. That portion of the movie is yeah. so good because you kind of get it from his perspective a little bit. You kind of are like Yep, you may be <laughs> fucked up a little bit with this. And that's yeah. amazing yeah. that you're like kind of sympathetic to his plight at the beginning. It's amazing.
1: Yeah. I think that I, I I think you're 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 absolutely right with that. Um this time watching it for me, this is my fourth time watching, just like confirming that uh my letterbox diary here. This will be my first fourth time watching it. This is the first time where, like, um, that's that that's that 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 struck me too. This is the first time where I was like, man, like he really fucked up here. He kind of he he made a an impulsive decision but at least like at least in the very beginning before you meet the Sybil Shepherd character, I kind of had the feeling like, okay, like maybe they're a little incompatible, but it feels like Lenny like they'll be able to figure out something and do the work and be happy together. But he doesn't want to do the fucking work. No. He sees, finds his other fucking pretty face, and he's off chasing chasing her, too. While we're on the topic, Jeannie Berlin is so fucking good in this movie. She's awesome. Like, being, being both, like, uh, straddling that line between just, like, being, she's, like, so cute and so attractive, but she's also just, she has, I don't think, any kind of, like, um, she lets herself be, like, Really, kind of like um, gross and obnoxious totally. too. Yes, um, and it. I think that it's so cool that it is also a mother directing her daughter to like in this role. And yeah, it's kind of
0: ballsy on both their parts to go absolutely that far because there's, like I said, there's moments in the sequence where they are driving from New York to Miami, where I went what he's doing, what he's going to do next. I don't know if I would not do that as <laughs> well. So, like, I'm like, holy shit, he fucked up so bad. Because he's trying to nut. That's yeah. all he's trying to do in the movie. He marries her so they can fuck. That's it. Yes, It's crazy. And then you're just like, no, his dick is guiding him throughout the entire film. He just goes wherever his dick... Wants him to go. His dickens should be the one who his penis hole should be the one. Maybe that's what his problem is, is that his penis hole is wider <laughs> than it is tall. And that's why he acts like this, Mason. Maybe that's what's going on with Mr. Absolutely. Lenny Can, Cantro with a W?
1: Cantro. Yeah. Cantrell.
0: And it's Charles Grodin. And we haven't really talked about the fact that the Lenny Cantro is played by Charles Grodin. are I think you're a bigger Grodin guy on the whole. Than I am. He's I know he's one of my
1: guys. He, I I love him so much. Yeah,
0: but I cannot imagine anyone doing this role other than Charles Grodin. He is so good. He's so charismatic in very subtle ways, and he is a true monster, like a true yeah. monster in this performance. It's 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 unreal. It's amazing.
1: He does it's amazing he does these little like small things in the um in like the the opening or in like the first like kind of act on the way to miami like diner scene when when lila orders the egg salad sandwich just to like show his disgust that are so fucking funny to me um he's one of my just the like he's one of my favorite actors because he can just like just communicate like that just like Low boiling rage, almost better than any other like actor, I think, or comedian. Just, just really at like, just holding it together and showing his like disgust or his his avarice coming through in these like little facial ticks or facial facial expressions. It's so fucking good.
0: It's so good. The just the entire movie is a tightrope walk of fearing and pitying Groden, Like, you're like, uh-oh, he's yeah. about to do something monstrous. Oh, we kind of pity him, and we understand why he's doing it, even if we don't agree. And I think that in the hands of another director, maybe it doesn't go so hard in that direction. Maybe we don't go, like, all the yeah. way with that. But because we're in Are- the hands of Elaine May, who's, mm. who's just so okay with people being black-hearted on screen... But doesn't really well,
1: particularly men, yeah, yes, like particularly her,
0: men, it's... yes, yeah, and doesn't really judge them for it. He they she just kind of shows like this is what you're gonna do. Then they, the whole movie sort of shot that way. It's like okay, this is what he's gonna do. This is how he's gonna act, yeah. and we watch it. And you're right; those long takes really let us di- digest and gestate with watching him make decisions. We watch him yeah. make these decisions, whether it's over the course of many little events or whether it is a spontaneous in-the-moment decision of like, oh wow, <laughs> my, my man's about to be fucked up forever. <laughs> he is about to get yeah. so fucked in whatever he's doing and we see it happen. And it's, 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 hard, it's so hard, I feel like, to do that. And they do it so well in this movie.
1: Are you aware of the Heartbreak Kid remake with... Ben Stiller, my, uh uh what's is your it Jennifer name Aniston? Uh, no, it's Ben Stiller. Oh, it's uh, it, uh Malin Ackerman. It, Malin Ackerman, yes, who uh they well, the, the directed by the Farrelly brothers. I don't know if they also wrote it, but directed by the Farley brothers, and they uh they did a, a an interesting twist on the premise in the Heartbreak Kid as he leaves a blonde for a brunette. Very. that uh, is so interesting. for <laughs> Michelle Monaghan.
0: That's so interesting. Um, that is such a fun... Def- uh, you're really playing with the form <laughs> on that one, yeah. boys. Good for and you. And I've
1: never seen that movie, but I do remember seeing that trailer when I would go to the movies in like 2007. And from what I remember, they really play up how obnoxious Malin Ackerman's character is in that, which is like such a wrong direction to take this premise you know Absolutely. because it the the the, the it Lenny Cantro is like one of cinema's greatest monsters in a way but he's so funny and so pathetic but he is really just a guy who there's not a lot of like comedies I think that that um treat like just this like a guy's What's the point I'm trying to get at here? Um, the difference between like having a movie where it's the the woman who's obnoxious and like the like because Jeannie Breland's character is kind of obnoxious in this, but she does have the sweetness, and you do you do feel bad for her, just like being cooped up in this be- in her bedroom by well, herself. She's like her a honeymoon. real
0: person. She's got multiple. Yes,
1: while her husband is running around like behind her back. One of my favorite things about the movie on this watch was that you never see lenny like scheming like how am i gonna lie to my wife it's always like he's leaving the dinner and the next cut is him going and like lying bald face to his fucking wife just because and like with that decision like you can you get the sense that this guy is just acting on impulse just acting for the sake of acting um he's just like driven by his his desires in such a way um but he and he's like kind of moving so fast, and he doesn't think, like, how fast he, like, jumps all his money with his, uh like, there's that great scene with the lawyer where, I guess, like, wakes up the lawyer and, like, draws up the divorce papers and, like, dumps all of his savings to, like, run to Minnesota. Again, without even thinking through anything. It's not about the fact
0: that he wants to get divorced. He wants to get divorced as fast as humanly possible. He doesn't care about... Any of the consequences in that moment, he's like, just make it happen so that I can go nut inside of Sybil Shepard's character, Kelly Corcoran's character, like that character. Just make it happen. And it is so heartbreaking, actually, at a certain level to watch that happen, to watch this guy continually (laughs) throw away everything that he has. And you just know at the end of the movie, he's going to do it again. He's going to do it yeah. again. There's no doubt in my mind that as soon as the movie ends, if the if we got to see what happens after the credits go off, he does the same exact thing with some other person in Minnesota or some other person when they take in their honeymoon to Cancun or wherever they're going to go next. He does it again. And he's just going to keep mm. living out that cycle in every way. And there is a part in all of us that does that that is that is the truth that 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 exists in people. It's just dominating the Lenny Cantro character. And that is exactly. what is so fun and so perilly perilous about the film.
1: Exactly. It's it's his it's his it, it's his like desire to like destroy himself almost and rebuild himself. Um and it's also like watching this movie this time, um, I just realized like it, it's it's pretty obvious if you're not like just such a, a fucking dog like Lenny Cantro's character is that like just Kelly Corcoran's just like trying to have a little fun on her vacation with this guy. She doesn't like she's just it's it's
0: And she's pretty like she's like pretty mean to him too throughout the entire movie as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But he keeps he plays into it. He can't stop but like like he, he can't stop but play play into that a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's he maybe he likes it. I don't know, but it's um the characters in this movie are are just it's it's one of my favorite movies just because of like just it's kind of like honestly I'm kind of running into the same problem like I had with, with like Big Star <laughs> you know it's like this movie is just so great and I love it so much and you can just go in on these all these different fucking angles with it that I I, I don't feel prepared to almost well
0: I don't know if we, I mean I feel like we've kind of talked about the big points I just wanted the only other thing I wanted to say is I'm gonna give three Zvons out right now
1: let's do it let's do it first Zevon
0: the Hat Trick. I think the only other movie I've given out this many or more Zvon's to was Silver Linings Playbook, but uh, Jenny Berlin, Zvon, she's, yes. she's done, like, if you go and look at, like, the other credits that she has, she hasn't been in a lot of other stuff. She, like, kind of dipped from entertainment for a number of years just to sort of, I don't know what the hell she was doing, but she wasn't well, she had, at like, least doing, in movies. Do you know if she
1: was doing, like, stage acting or something like that?
0: She could have been easily, but she, she doesn't have mm-hmm. as many... Like, she was nominated for a fucking Oscar for this movie.
1: I know! That's the thing!
0: And then doesn't really oh do God. a lot of other stuff. Like, if you just look at the totality of her credits. For someone who you would think, oh, they just got nominated for an Oscar. I think... And I don't... Was this her first movie? Let's get a let's get a quick... I'm gonna give you a quick... Uh, it was
1: one of them. Like, I feel like she was just... I think she was a relative unknown... Um, well, yeah, she's, she's just she's
0: the daughter of the mm-hmm. director, you know, which is doesn't hurt as well. On, I'm looking at it. Her okay, this was not her first. She was in the Baby Maker, which I don't know what that is, but she was in it. Uh, Portnoy's Complaint. <laughs> no idea what that is. This was her first big movie without a doubt. This is the okay. first movie that really just sort of. I
1: didn't know there was a Portnoy's Complaint movie. Interesting.
0: Probably about Dave Portman. Oh, do you know? Oh, yeah. Okay, so this is a, based on a the, the Philip Roth novel. Yeah. Okay, so this was actually kind of a big movie. Didn't do well, I don't think. Richard Benjamin's in it. Karen Black. Uh, Ernest Lehman, directed and wrote it. Shout out to that guy. Hey. Um, so, Jeannie Berlin.
1: Wait, we just talked about that, fella.
0: <laughs> we just talked about that mother scratcher. Uh, so, I'm going to give us Z-Von to Jeannie Berlin. I'm going to give us Z-Von to Elaine May as well, truly, because even though, like, she did, you know, when I get to the Fast Facts, I'm really, truly. I didn't give a lot of facts about Elaine May because I could have given you so much about her because she has led yeah. such an amazing life. So I truly only was giving the like top of the bill highlights of her career when I talk about her. But she really got a raw deal in Hollywood in terms of being a director.
1: Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because she got one of the worst. She got one of the rawest deals of all time. Uh, Justice for Ishtar. The night and like. <laughs> I gotta tell you man like just this growing up and hearing like just from far side cartoons or just like bad comics about how bad Ishtar was versus when you watch that movie for the first time you're like this is like not it's 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 a four star movie from a director who made three five star movies right before it you know sure, so yeah, it's yeah. still great and really really fucking entertaining um but she did get one of the raw steals just like culturally and like in like working. Um, and I think of it, all time. And
0: I, and I, my theory about it is, and I'm probably not saying anything that anybody hasn't already said, but A, she was a woman in the 70s in Hollywood, which yeah. apparently is the worst thing that you could be back then. Um, yes. And uh, she wanted to do shit her own way. And those yeah. two things. If you move Like, literally, Mikey and Nikki doesn't make back its budget. She has problems with the studio, like, in trying to, like, do the movie. And she doesn't make another movie for, like, ten years, and then they fucking do a hit job on Ishtar, which I haven't seen, so I can't comment on the actual film itself. But everyone that's seen it has, like, yeah, this movie is not dog shit, like you might think it is, you know, like maybe you were told. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they just do this media hit job on it, and then she hasn't directed anything since. But supposedly, not... Knocking on wood, we are supposed to maybe get another Elaine May. Something or other. Whether it's, you know, whether it's a directing thing or whether she's supposed to be in yeah. something in a major way. You know, as of this recording, Sunday, well, February 27th, 2022, she is still alive and well, as far as we know. But she is older. Yeah. She's approaching ninety. So, you know, prayers yeah. up that we actually do get more stuff from Elaine May. But as a filmmaker, she gets a Von from me. And then we only talked about him a little bit, but Eddie Albert is Mr. Corcoran. Is excellent in this mm-hmm. film. And he gets his Evan as well. And this was one of his last movies, I believe, and he passed away shortly after.
1: Uh we didn't really talk too much about Eddie Albert, uh, but you are absolutely right. Just how much he hates Lenny Cantro's guts. Yes. So fucking funny. Just the the this sheer just boiling hate <laughs> that he has for this guy is awesome and so funny i'm pulling Um, up some of his quotes
0: from imdb because there's some really really good
1: ones you stay the hell out of minnesota you goddamn newlywed
0: he says during dinner tonight i was listening i find i can tell more about man by listening to his dinner table conversation by reading all the books in the world i heard everything you said about honest food i have never heard such a crock of horseshit in my life there's no deceit in this cauliflower because he's just going on and on about how honest. Where's the line that Lenny says? I feel like it's in here somewhere.
1: I can't find it's like it. Go- oh, it's this like is honest at- food.
0: There's no lying in that beef. There's no insincerity in those potatoes. There's no deceit in this cauliflower. This is a totally honest meal coming from a man who's just hasn't been able to stop lying through his teeth for an hour and a half up till that point. Yeah. Um. So good. Stay away from her. I don't hand my doubter out to newlyweds. Uh, not if they tied me to a horse and pulled me forty miles by my tongue is a great line, just in terms of him being like, You will never, ever, ever come near me and my family or my daughter. Yeah. Uh and he was nominated for an Oscar as well, alongside Jeannie Berlin.
1: Yes. Uh we didn't we also didn't mention it, but this movie was based off of a book by Bruce J. Friedman, and the script is by Neil Simon. And yes. Like the rare Yeah, and one of the rare Neil Simon adaptations. Uh are you much of a Neil Simon guy? I
0: uh, well. Yes, but I haven't seen like a shit ton of his stuff, but everything that I've seen that he, well, California Sweet I watched with Dustin one time and we were both not crazy about that movie adaptation, yeah. but I really like Biloxi Blues. Uh, just mm-hmm. I've read the actual play of Biloxi Blues and then obviously he wrote the script for this, which is phenomenal, phenomenal. Um, and yeah. then everything else that I've seen that he's been a part of in some way, yes, but I, I, I'm not a stan, but yes, I do like him as a guy.
1: Yeah, he just it's insane he's just an insanely prolific, like, writer. Like not and just the fact that like he was a brand on himself at a period of time. Totally. Interesting. Very cool. I have
0: this pulled up as well, so I and I'm gonna say it again because I have this pulled up. Seventies Sybil Shepherd. <laughs> A-ooga.
1: For the audience, yeah, for the <laughs> audience, it was really incredible. Noah did do the Tex Avery wolf eyes. He got really big on the Zoom screen.
0: Man, I shot cannonballs uh, and out and his, of my penis his hole. jaw
1: crashed through his desk. His tongue rolled out.
0: Also, I can't remember who says this line. It might be Charles Grodin. Who says there's a lot of money in tear gas? Is that Charles Grodin who says that?
1: I think that's Charles Grodin in the wedding. Yeah, yeah. Yes, you know, it's, during, re- it's during it's during
0: the wedding. Yes, he's like he's like trying to make um, like trying to make conversation with his new family, and he's like yeah. yeah There's a lot of money in tear gas, which is just an insane thing to have to say.
1: It's there's there's just so many like in, so I watched I saw a new leaf again very recently because it was at the Siskel Center. Um, oh nice! In February they were doing a uh, a series called Bad Romance. Um, Hell yeah! And they showed uh, a new leaf. Um, and in that movie, there's a bunch of little funny throwaway lines, too. The one that really got me uh, uh, was uh, they were introduced, like when Walter Matho comes into the party that he's getting introduced to Elaine's May- May- Elaine May's character in that movie. So he introduced, like, oh, this is the, the, the Beaufort's, the so and so, the whatever, uh, the Hitlers over here. Yes. And yes, uh, yes. he goes, oh, of the Boston Hitlers. <laughs> Just yeah. those really, really funny, really funny little throwaway line. The, the tear gas line I also wrote out. Thank you for show, shouting that one out because that was so...
0: It's funny. so crazy. It's so shocking. Do you have any other... I will, let's get some fast facts because I do have some stuff. Like There's quite a bit. But do you have uh, any other lines to shout out? Um, That's...
1: Uh, uh, Just get the fast facts going. I will go through my notes here right. and uh, pull up my favorite ones. Heartbreak
0: Kid is a 1972 romantic black comedy... Film directed by Elaine May and written Let's by go. Neil Simon. Let's go. Starring Charles Grodin, Sybil Shepard, Ginny Berlin, Audra Lindley as the mom, as Mrs. Corcoran. Uh, Sh- Shout out Al- to
1: her, too. Yeah.
0: Uh, Eddie Albert and Doris Roberts. Uh, it is based on a short story, A Change of Plan, written by Bruce J. Friedman and first published in Esquire magazine in 1966. At the 45th Academy Awards, Jeannie, Bermin, Jeannie Berlin was nominated for Best Supporting Actress and Eddie Albert for Best Supporting Actor. And of course, it was remade in 2007 with Ben Stiller as the Charles Grone character and Malin Ackerman as the Sybil Shepherd character. And another big swing that the Farley brothers took in remaking this is they named him Eddie Cantrell instead of Lenny mm. Cantrell. So
1: mm, interesting. a
0: lot of stuff to think about there in that regard. Uh, May shared her late com- uh, May shared with her late comedy partner Mike Nichols a sparse dialogue-oriented style and a quizzical perspective. She places an emphasis on character comedy. The Hollywood Reporter commented on her stylistic decisions to derive humor from quote situations rather than obvious one-line jokes and make comedic choices which quote flow effortlessly from rhythmic dialogue explosions of laughter. The New Yorker's Pauline kale said Elaine May has the rarest kind of comic gift. The ability to create a world scene comically. And that's kind of what I was trying to get at at the very beginning when I'm like, Mm -hmm. it's movies like this and Punch Drunk Love and even fucking like some Adam McKay shit from like the, you know, like fucking 2008 Step Brothers and shit. Like the movies that Mm -hmm. I love the most are the ones where it's just like, they're maybe not saying things that are funny, but everything that's happening feels so like natural. To this world, you know? And that's what yeah, I love so I, much about this movie in particular.
1: Mm-hmm. I I agree with that. I, I think that the... um, I, I think that that is a strong point of this movie is not just in the characters, but in just how these particular characters are interacting and also in the spaces that they're interacting in, totally. you know? Like, how they're all... Like, the comedy from the scenes when they're on vacation in Miami... Versus like the scenes when you know in in Minnesota when they're all like spread out, uh, you know when they're when it just just how those scenes are just like blocked and, and how they look and just the amount of just just people and, and it's it, it this movie is just so great in its um I you know just like kind of structure in a in its way I love its sort of like symmetrical where it starts with a wedding and it ends with a wedding um, and it's. I, I, again, it's just another kind of example of just something that if, if, if I could just go in for fucking hours and hours and hours and, on this movie. Um, do you have more fast facts?
0: Oh, you know it. You, I got a lot of yes, fast Yes, give me here. some more of those fast facts. Uh, in his 1989 autobiography, It Would Be So Nice If You Weren't Here, which amazing title. Uh, Charles mm-hmm. Grodin recounts Neil Simon reportedly asked actress Jeannie Berlin to be replaced because he did not find her pretty enough, not realizing that Berlin was Elaine May's daughter. That is fucking so brutal in every regard. Just every aspect of that sucks.
1: Come on, Neil. Come, Come on, on Neil.
0: Also, apparently, cuz I went to a K through 12 middle and high school, someone who was a mm-hmm. senior when I was like a fresh or what like a 6th or 7th grader was like a like the great niece of Neil Simon, apparently. Mm. So, so, shout out to her for Neilina Simone. Neilina Simone. You were it's almost like you were there. Uh, neil simon 's contract well, stated.
1: I was Simone
0: oh you that was you, fuck, I did not like you then. Yeah. <laughs> I did not like you back in those days uh, neil simon 's contract stated that none of his dialogue could be changed without his permission. However, the improvisational lane may came to an agreement whereby they would film two versions, the scripted version and then her version, and then decide which was better after a week or so. Grodin recalls that Neil Simon stopped showing up to set altogether and Elaine May was in complete control. So fucking awesome. Fuck yeah. Um I feel for the writer, you know, wanting their thing to be read how it's written. Like I totally understand that. But let her cook, baby. Let Elaine May cook. Yeah. Come on now. You don't know you don't know who you're messing with in that regard. Uh, The reason the film is so difficult to find on streaming is because it fell into the hands of a pharmaceutical company named Bristol Myers Squibb, who dissolved their entertainment division shortly after creating it, leaving the distribution rights in limbo. It has since never been reacquired or restored as of early 2022, basically. So that's why it's so hard to find. And that's so silly, too. Somebody needs to snatch this up.
1: it's so silly. I was watching this movie, you know, just like on the compressed, like the YouTube compression or whatever, which is, you know, probably ripped from a DVD. So also further compressed. And I was really kicking myself because it played at the new Bev sometime when I was in LA, either oh, twenty seventeen or 2018. And I didn't go because I was being a little dumbass, being, being big old stupid, you know, big surprise. I was Mason McGuire, Mason James McGuire, <laughs> big old stupid. Big old stupido. Uh, yeah. Big old, big old stupido. Uh the smartest I ever am in the week is when I'm recording this podcast, and even that isn't the same. <laughs> that is uh. fucking crazy. That is
0: that is not that is not, that is not something to put up on the fridge, my friend. That is wild as fuck. Uh we,
1: But yes, but, we we
0: have never seen this movie in the way it's actually supposed to be looked at.
1: That's what I was gonna say. Cause this time watching it too, I was really just appreciating the cinematography and how beautiful it, it looked, you know, kinda despite the compression. I'm like, fuck, I would really love to just see this movie in in its full glory there you know like just just because it's i think it's a a an an underrated movie and just how it's like shot and how it how it looks and i think that could be because it's so hard to find you can't get a good printer or or of it or whatever um i have the the criterion blu-ray of mikey and nicky actually and that movie looks mm, bellissimo beautiful uh I somebody I hope I I I give it up to God or whatever is is doing some work to get the rights squared on this thing and give it a proper release because motherfucker man I am I am dying to see I am dying to see yeah, this movie in a better condition than I've ever seen it.
0: It's been fifty years unless you saw it in its original run or live in LA and can go to a screening of yeah. it that for some reason someone has a like real or a just the movie in like a bunch of fucking boxes yeah. you know on film no one's ever seen this movie how it was supposed to be in originally intended to view and that's crazy
1: yeah that is crazy it's also interesting because i do you have notes on like the this movie's box office or anything like that um,
0: i do not know i the rest of okay. my fast facts are actually about elaine may as a, as a person
1: Okay. I just wanted to bring, I, very quickly, I was watching an old Letterman episode with Charles Grodin as the guest, and when he was being introduced, it was probably early 80s, uh, David Letterman said, you remember him from such films as The Heartbreak Kid, um, so, you know, it's, 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 I, I feel like, it maybe for, like, a Letterman crowd, that means something, you know, sure. um, but it is kind of, it, it's, it's so unfortunate that this is, is, um, so difficult to find. That's
0: it. On IMDb, which maybe isn't the best source for this, it says the gross mm. for US and Canada was $12.2 million, is what it nothing says.
1: Nothing to sniff at. No. Yeah, nothing to sniff at, but like, especially in $72, but it's still like, come on.
0: Come on now. Come Elaine on. Iva May was born April 21st, 1932. She made her initial impact in the 50s with the improv routines of Mike Nichols performing as Nichols and May. After studying acting in Los Angeles under Maria, ready, here we go, Uspenskaya, Uspenskaya, I believe is how you're going to say that, May moved to Chicago in 1955 with $7 to her name and became a founding member of the Compass Players, an improvisational theater group. She began working alongside Nichols, who was also in the group, and they together began writing and performing their own sketches, which became enormously popular. They performed nightly in Granch Village uh, alongside the likes of Joan Rivers and Woody Allen. Weirdly, he has come up today in a very, very backdoor way already.
1: Well, I think, yeah, the last Elaine May acting credit is that Woody Allen Amazon TV show that Prime six
0: six scenes of crisis or whatever, something like that.
1: Yeah, crisis in six scenes. Crisis in six yeah. scenes. Classic. Uh,
0: to mostly sold out shows on the Broadway stage. In addition to making TV appearances and radio appearances, in their comedy act, they created satirical cliches and character types that were made fun of the new intellectual, cultural, and social order that was just emerging. In doing so, May was instrumental in removing the stereotype of women being unable to succeed in live comedy. Uh, May starred in films infrequently throughout her career, including 1967's Love, spelled L-U-V, Enter Laughing, and 1978's California Sweet, which I've seen. She's great. The movie itself I wasn't as crazy about. The movie itself is, like, mediocre to find, in my opinion. Uh, okay. During this time, she became the first female director with a Hollywood deal since Ida Lupino when she started directing black screwball comedy A New Leaf in 1971, which also starred opposite Walter Matthau. And again, she continued to break the mold, experimenting in genres of a string of critically acclaimed dark romantic comedy, The Heartbreak Kid, starring Grodin and you know, blah, blah, blah. Mikey and Nikki, a gritty gangster film starring Cassavetes and Peter Falk. And she received her first Academy Award for Best Adapted Screenplay for the film Heaven Can Wait from 1978. Mm -hmm. And last but not least... In 2013, May received the National Medal of Arts for her lifetime contributions to American comedy, which was presented to her by President Barack Obama. In 2018, she returned to the Broadway stage after 60-year absence in Lila Neuschbauer's, I believe, revival of Kenneth Lonergan Plays the Waverly Gallery, which ran at the John Golden Theater, the same theater where Nichols and May started almost 60 years prior. She received rapturous reviews winning a Tony Award in 2019 for best actress in a play, becoming the second oldest performer to win a Tony of acting. In 2021, it was announced that she would receive the Academy Pictures of Ocean Art of oh, fuck. Academy of Motion <laughs> Picture Arts and Sciences will give her an honorary Academy Award, and if things go how they're going, it will not be televised, which is fucked up. So, I
1: hate that they took out the honorary Oscars, like part of like from the telecast, because that's how I learned about motherfucking like Sidney Lumet, Robert yeah. Altman. Um, the Oscars hate movies, and I don't know what's up with that. Their ratings chasing, and their hate, and they hate movies. I don't know what's going on.
0: Yeah, that is true. You're just hundred percent right. They are rated as entertainment. It is a piece of entertainment, and they don't give a fuck about movies. Awesome. I'm going to give my Mercedes Valuable Players, I'm going to give a co to Charles Grodin because like I said, I can't imagine anybody else doing this role in the way at which it is done. It is done with such subtlety, but also perfectly big in the right moments. It's just played so well. And then, of course, Elaine May. And this gets an easy full recommend from me. Mason, what do you got?
1: I'm going to give my Mercedes Valuable Player to the cast. I don't think that there's an, a, a, I don't think that, I think that this movie is cast so fucking well. It may not be your first choice for these characters to, to play these characters um but they I think every single actor brings just a little bit of su- a little bit of zhuzh that makes it makes these um interesting and and dynamic and and really really uh unforgettable. um that's everyone from uh you know Jeannie Berlin and charles Gro- Groden. Uh, what's the woman's name that played Mrs. Mrs. Corcoran? Because I think that wow. in this movie she really her little her she she is not given much to do, but she finds a character and it, and it, she's just incredible. Um, Simple Shepherd, of course, uh, everybody in this cast. This is also maybe an easy and fullest recommend that I've ever given on this show. Um, I have. I'm glad that you finally brought it on. Um, her name is Audra Lindley as Mrs. Corcoran. Audra Lindley, thank you very much. Um, yes. This this movie is just fucking incredible. I it's it's it is it solidifies itself on each rewatch as one of my absolute favorite movies and just like this really unfairly difficult to find um film. So so track it down, folks. However you can, please.
0: If this please. movie was and not then, hard yeah. to find, it wouldn't be yeah. talked about on this show. And that's kind of the right. tragedy of it. Actually, at the end of the day, is like just because of the fact that the rights are hard, like the rights are in limbo. People have not seen this movie, and they just—they should be watching this movie yearly or every other year. Like it's one of those. It's like a top tier S tier comedy, full combo. You get the fries, you get the drink. Hell, I'm even upgrading to the large. That's what this movie is.
1: You're upgrading to the large? Oh shit, brother! Yeah, I'm hungry. I'm
0: hungry for the Heartbreak Kid, 1972.
1: Yeah, the the servers coming around, and I'm saying, "Hey, you know how I ordered a side salad with my burger? I want to change that to fries. Give me some crinkle cuts, please.
0: Yeah, and don't and no tomatoes either. No
1: tomatoes. No tomato. You yeah. know, what? take the whole garden off. I just want meats and buns." and starches and get me a tall glass of beer too. Give me yeah. the tallest glass of beer you can possibly yeah. give me and they're like sir this is a wendy's sir this is a wendy's we don't have beer yes like, i don't give a shit get me a beer go yes. to the liquor store get me a beer pop open that cap pour it down my fucking gullet while i'm shoving yes. a square cheeseburger down my mouth that's awesome give it to me i'm a i'm a i'm a fat little piggy i want my fucking gullet i just want my fucking uh slop. <laughs>
0: And then I say, and play bitch by Meredith Brooks over the loudspeaker. <laughs> and they're like, Excuse me? And I'm like, play it. I wanna sing that song while food flies out of my mouth. I hate the yeah. world today. <laughs> yeah. So mad I can't change. And then I don't pay I don't tip well either.
1: I don't tip at all. No, well you're at a Wendy's, so you don't need to tip, but you, that's <laughs> you true. ask for your money back. Actually, yeah. I'm at a
0: Wendy's, so I tip fifty percent. <laughs> I
1: tip fifty percent. Hey, Very generous. That's it. Yes sir. yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
0: So that's it. <laughs> that's, that's the show. If you want to send us an email, you can. Everybody wants to. Number two, get on the list at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at it's on the list pod at it's on underscore the list on Instagram. Follow me on Letterboxd. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram as well. You guys know what the fuck's going on there. Listen to my other podcast, which is currently on hiatus. My favorite podcast, the podcast about people's favorite things. In celebration of the fact that this was Noah Jams Volume 1 and we got Noah Jams Volume 2 and Noah Jams Volume 3 coming down the pipe, check out my two solo episodes of my favorite Mm -hmm. podcast. You can go back to episode 26, which is from November of 2020, where I talked about five movies that were making me feel thankful. It was around Thanksgiving and just an insane time to be alive at the end of 2020 thinking is this shit ever going to end? So I was thinking about movies that made me feel thankful. And then episode 64, a little bit more recent of five of my favorite albums. Those are available wherever you get your podcasts. Mason, take us home.
1: Folks, you can find me on The Barn, a podcast about The Shield. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Hot HotDogDeBickey. You can buy a shirt from the links in the description of both of those places to spread the manifesto all beer should be excuse me one dollar you can find me on Letterboxed. and now that the weather's nice you can find me yes once again roaming the streets of Chicago uh, wearing a cape hanging upside down from trees uh, blowing kisses to all of these small animals that are on the streets of Chicago uh, but that's it that's well, it as we say that's it as we say on the show to close things out Tell someone you love them this week. Do something you love this week. And we will see you all next week. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. Dude, no one would listen to it. Like, oh, we're going to talk about the toenail clip album today. You know, like, what? Like, I'm not going to listen to the toenail clip album.